In the wrestling world, the people are represented by two separate but unequally important groups. The wrestlers and bookers, who literally do all the hard work, and the fans, who endlessly nitpick and overanalyze everything they do. These are their stories. Welcome to Raw and Order, the wrestling booking unit, the only wrestling podcast on the planet whose men's and women's matches are running concurrently. We just have no female entrance right now, so it's not <laughs> I am your host, Detective Mark Smarks, and I'm joined by my partner in crime fighting, District Attorney Vincent K. Faye. What's going on, man? How are you? Ducky, ducky, ducky. Jesus. Also joining us, our brother from up north, our RCMP JLB. What's going on, man? It is me. It is me. It is Justin JLB. Mella may be money, but this pay-per-view was pennies to the dollar. I'm okay, I guess. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. Um, this is going to be our Money in the Bank uh, recap, review, whatever you want to call it. Slash so we're not going to crime show because there's we're not going to do it in our typical crimes uh, format, but we are going to talk. There, there were some crimes this show. Um, and then in totally unrelated to uh, uh, Money in the Bank, there was an, an actual wrestling crime uh, to r- report on uh, in that uh, Alberto Del Rio got arrested again. So um, this, time, this time he's charged with sexual assault and I think false imprisonment. Um, anyways, so... Uh, that guy so, just knows how to have a good time, doesn't he? Yeah, he... Uh, he is a peach of a guy. He is definitely... And here I thought he was going to show up at Money in the Bank. Guess yeah. not. I saw. I, I heard that earlier today. I'm like, oh, well, he's not showing up for Money in the Bank. Well, All right, let's scratch that one in, off my list. In fairness, they, they pre-taped Money in the Bank, so uh, he could have showed up for parts of it. All right, they didn't pre-tape all of it, but they pre-taped the corporate Money in the Bank, match. In the bank yeah. ladder match. Climb the corporate ladder, whatever you want to call it. Anyways, so he could have... I, I have a feeling, though, they would have really quickly edited him out if he had been there. They'd be like, sure. cut him. Get him out of here. Um, before we get into talking too much Money in the Bank, I would like to remind everyone that Raw and Order WBU is part of the Tatnisco Podcast Network. So once you're done listening to this and liking and sharing and subscribing and all of that good stuff, head on over to tatnisco.com. Check out all the other shows like Tatnus Podcast Uncensored, Chicken Hen with SM, In the Dice Box Slam, Basement Bullshit, and Carpool Shenanigans. And then come back here for our next episode because we will be doing a Raw review and a uh, AEW review and a NXT review and probably a SmackDown review if we don't forget again this week. And our FBI. So, uh, oh, and we'll be doing our contest. Yes, our contest is still running now, and at the end of the show, not several times that didn't work out. Yeah, it it made for a very, very long NXT review. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That being said, we are running our contest still. We'll talk about a little bit more uh, later, but it's as simple as share, tweet to win, right? 
take an episode, whatever episode you're listening to, tweet it out. Use the hashtag raw and order WBU when you tweet it out and share it. And uh, you're entered to win not just one, but two T-shirts, one from us and one uh, T-shirt of your choice from ProWrestlingTees.com. So great options there. Uh, Like I said, we'll talk about it a lot more at the end. Uh, But we're just going to kind of get into this Money in the Bank uh, review cap um, and go from there. So I I know it's not going to be as... What was that? Are we going to do a little bit of pre-show? We're going to talk and watch it. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the pre-show because I know what happened on it. But yeah, I un, uh, because WWE in their infinite wisdom decided to put money in the bank on Mother's Day. People like me who happen to have wives who are the mothers of their children, and people like everyone else who have mothers, uh, had to make some choices as to how they could celebrate Mother's Day and still watch Money in the Bank. Are you uh, suggesting that you have a mother? I also have a mother. Okay, just I also, sure. also <laughs> had to. to. Well, you said everybody else, and I was like, wait a minute. I know you have a mother. <laughs> yes, you have met her. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice but, deal. How dare you? She's a nice lady. <laughs> a nice lady. Um, but so uh, I had to make a sacrifice of the pre-show to, uh, in the interest of helping uh, my wife celebrate Mother's Day. Um, and and it wisdom was very important right there, buddy. That's wisdom. Yes. yes. So I missed uh, Cesaro on the kickoff show. What? You also missed, yeah. you know, guy who's about to get a huge push. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff Hardy's going to get pushed like crazy, if only so that he does not leave to go to AEW. Yeah. Don't go join your brother. Stay here. Stay here. Please stay here. Please stay here. At least sign this six-year deal. <laughs> and then once yeah. you've signed, then we'll relegate you. Do we know when his deal is? As of right now, he hasn't signed anything as far as I know, but uh, I guarantee you they're trying to, to keep him there, which is funny because they're they're basically saying that almost anyone who asks to leave will be granted their release, but the fact that they're trying so hard to keep Jeff Hardy around means that we know that there are people that aren't going to get their release they ask. Um, and we kind of, I mean, if Braun we Strowman... It, yeah, it, I mean, September's the earliest and they ain't letting him go before September. And that's the only is, is If Braun Strowman came up and said, hey, I know I'm your universal champ, but I want out, they'd say, sorry. <laughs> you have to drop the title. Yeah, you're going to have to drop the title first at least, but more Braun, than that, I didn't screw Braun. Braun screwed Braun. It'd be Braun another screw job all over again. Braun. Jeez, um, no. Okay, so, so good anyways, match though. You didn't? Did you read a recap or anything of it? I've, I've read a bit of a recap uh, on it. Uh, yeah, it looks like. I mean, here's the deal. These are two good wrestlers. Um, the only worry is Jeff Hardy having been out of action for as long as he has been. Was he going to be rusty and not able to pull off a decent match? I think he, from all the reports, he showed that he was not rusty and pulled off a pretty decent match. So, yeah, it was typical Jeff Hardy. Like, I um, you know. And Cesaro, that, my biggest thing is Cesaro keeps getting thrown on the pre-show. And I just don't, I mean, we've talked about it before. The only thing that holds Cesaro back is his uh, mic, really. And he, if he just learned a little bit better mic work, if he just studied the mic work, he could be the top guy in any promotion. He goes to Impact or Ring do of Honor. That, do a faction that isn't mid-card. Yeah. You know? But I, mean, I don't know, though. 
his like I've heard him talk on After the Bell. I've heard him do little things on the WWE Network. Like he's entertaining enough. I just feel like they don't necessarily give him anything to do. When the guy wants to talk, he can talk. He's good. He can communicate. He's funny. Stuff with the bar when he did stuff was was awesome. Uh, that's you why I say it's 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 about mic work. I'm not saying he's not articulate and he's not funny and all that stuff, but mic work is a different thing altogether, right? I mean, you could say that uh, Jim Helwig, the Ultimate Warrior, was not intelligent, uh, articulate, um, or well spoken, but his mic work was phenomenal, right? Uh, the stuff he said made absolutely no freaking sense, but we were riveted to the TV while watching it, right? All 25 minutes of it. Yeah, as he just rambled on and on about the warriors from above sending their powers to me. I'm doing the hands up to the air thing. I don't know if you guys can tell. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I can feel, I can feel the hands up in the air all the way from uh, all the way from here, so... But, All the way but that's Canada, the don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? But that's the deal. Is Cesaro, he's articulate, he's smart, he's funny. Uh, just something about his mic work doesn't doesn't like really go over the top. And I I think probably a perfect example of it is Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy early on in his career, his mic work was not good. He's an articulate guy. He's a smart guy. He's a funny guy. But his mic skills were lacking for delivering promos. Um, now he's probably one of the best in the business uh, overall, at least. You know, uh, and that's like why I say is with Cesaro, that's not something that can't be fixed. He just needs to study on it. But he gets a little bit better on the mic. He could go to Impact, Ring of Honor, AEW, New Japan, and be a top guy. The only thing that stops him from being a top guy is Mike work. Well, and, and Vince's um, grudge holding until he sees it somewhere else. I mean, let's be honest about it. And and this is a match that happens later in the night, but um, Drew McIntyre isn't Drew McIntyre without going somewhere else and working on stuff. Yeah. Well, and that's the deal. Drew McIntyre went someplace else, learned some mic skills that he didn't have before, uh, helped develop a character that he didn't have before, and came back, and and now he is the WWE champion. Even if that happens in WWE, he doesn't get the push that he's got right now. Vince has to see somebody else can benefit from it. But but so anyways... Yeah, it's a Vince. Pro- I mean, there are so many Vince problems. This episode <laughs> is full of Vince problems. Um, it will be. It will be. Not me, but, Vince. Different Vince. Yeah, different Vince. The, the Vince. I so, anyway, Vince. Matt Hardy won, defeated Cesaro, pinfall. Uh, he hit the Swanton bomb. So then Jeff Hardy. I felt like Jeff, you said Jeff Matt Hardy. Hardy. I might have said Matt Hardy because I was talking Matt Hardy or Jeff Hardy won. Jeff. Defeated Cesaro with the pinball. Uh, with the and not only did Jeff Hardy win, win, won, whatever, they missed a great opportunity to bring the bar back. Because they're certainly not doing anything with Sheamus. They're sure as hell is not doing anything with Cesaro. And honestly, you could have at least set something up because I just feel like Jeff Hardy's going to be in a Cesaro situation along with Sheamus, and they're just going to end up going nowhere. Well, Jeff's going to get a push. Jeff will get a push. He'll, he'll replace uh, Ray's role when yeah. Ray's gone. 
Yeah, Jeff's definitely getting up. He's getting the please don't go someplace else push until he signs a contract, and then he's going to get the three-week push, and then they're going to let him go back. Um, but, I mean, here's the deal. is I was a little surprised that this was Jeff Hardy versus Cesaro the entire time because they've been building up Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus for weeks. And we know that that's the match that's going to happen. Right. They just... Yeah. Which... Would have been the perfect time to bring the bar in. But anyway, all right. It, it's, <laughs> it seemed like it seemed like a good match overall. I'm gonna have to catch it on on replay. Um, but you know, I don't I don't have any real complaints about the match happening except for you've got these two people. Why do you put them on the kickoff show? Especially Cesaro is always on the kickoff show. Especially uh, and, when it went till nine thirty. Like you could have easily have had this on the actual pay-per-view and yes. just do a kickoff with nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 9.30 yeah. Eastern time, you're correct. Yeah. 8.30 our times. Yeah. Yeah. 8.30 where we're at, which was super early. And that's Two and a half hours. This, the, the pay-per-view as a whole was half an hour shorter than Raw. Yeah, yeah. It was shorter than their <laughs> weekly TV show, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And, wow. and even more than that, Jeff Hardy versus Cesaro on the kickoff show, and then R-Truth versus MVP set for the real show, those deserve to be swapped. And yes, I know, we'll talk when it comes up about what happened with the R-Truth versus MVP match. Uh, it still should have been on the kickoff show. MVP yeah. is not a main show level performer at this time. Yeah. MVP, as far as I know, was brought back into the company to be mostly a backstage talent and or manager. He's not even supposed to be wrestling on the regular. And they set Which, him up. you know, we kind of saw. But yeah. we'll get to that we'll point. I, I have one note about the pre-show. Um, interesting how they, they played out the biggest, um, biggest WrestleMania moments in history which we actually already saw recently <laughs> and the commentator had no clue that number one wasn't what he thought it was going to be go on because like i go. said i did this, this well the, they played the biggest money in the bank or not wrestlemania money in the bank um moments in history of course um i can't remember who it was that was the commentator um he's balding um Sam, oh, uh, Sam, Sam, Sam Roberts, Sam, Sam Roberts, that's what it is, oh, Sam, Sam Roberts, Roberts. Yep. yep, was rooting, and he's playing a pretty decent heel commentator, I think he's shooting for a role that Byron Saxton can't fill, which is fine, uh, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I am harping on Byron Saxton still, it's fine, <laughs> anyway, um, and so he's shooting for Alexa Bliss cashing in the same night, being the the number one moment and it was actually um, Seth Rollins uh, over over cashing in with his money in the bank on Brock but not really Brock but we're going to say it's Brock because Brock had the title but it wasn't Brock that he pinned it was uh, the person who's in the doghouse right now yeah well that's because he's a big dog I don't know if he's necessarily in the doghouse anymore because they did show a Roman Reigns picture at the Money in the Bank. Yes, they did. Uh, the the yep. reports from backstage basically say that Vince McMahon's uh, opinion on this changes almost daily with the win. Like some days he's angry and and uh, issuing rulings that they can't say Roman Reigns' name, and the next day he's approving Fox Sports One to 
play a best of Roman Reigns uh, montage. And so yeah. it's going back and forth. He's obviously in the doghouse. It's just how deep he's in the doghouse. Uh, and here's the deal is, did we really expect them to totally redecorate uh, the headquarters just for a 10 second segment in one of the rooms? On that know, note, one of the hallways. Vince is the type to cut that out if, if he was holding a grudge at that moment. Possibly, uh, but once so, again, it was ten seconds of the thing. He could have not even noticed because it yeah. really was. They were like walking down a hallway. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was I, during I, the scene that kind of zoomed in, though. I feel but, well, and, like you. And they had just saw brought it. attention. I think the big thing is they just brought attention to a wall poster because it was Ray's poster. Mm-hmm. It was right next to it. So, but anyway, neither here nor there. Um, we will get to that later on. But um, yeah, I, I I find it interesting that Sam Roberts didn't watch Raw. Yeah, because they literally showed that on Raw. We, <laughs> so, we talked about it this week on FBI. Well, FBI. What did you exactly? He was just completely shocked by it. He was like, "What? No Alexa Bliss moment? Huh? How could that possibly be? Did you uh, did you miss uh, this on Raw? Like the whole thing was on yeah, Raw. They, it was the exact same segment they did on Raw. It it, it literally was, except for there was commentary before and after, mm-hmm. and it was broken up some so that those guys could talk. Because that was the like, deal on Raw. They they did it one segment at a time over the entire course of Raw. Yeah. And for this, they just put it all in one spot. You're yeah. So. And and so, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, Sam Roberts. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, which I just, I, I, that's the type of stuff that in the writing aspects of it, it makes you think, do you not remember doing this? Like, it's less than a week ago. It's six days ago. If you did this today, and you most likely recorded this Tuesday or Wednesday, or Friday, or sometime during this week. Like, you most likely did not record this before Monday night, and if you did on Monday night, or if you did record it before Monday night, you needed to change this. Like, it, it's that's, that's just, these are the types of things that are, that with all the production value that Raw, that, that WWE gets, and I'll, I'll throw back to Karrion Cross's entrance on Wednesday night, with all the production value that they get, they miss in storyline writing value. That that's a big thing. That's you're telling all of your fans who have the network, "Hey, I don't watch the regular shows." He, here's here's the way I'll, I'll word it. If this had happened on Impact Wrestling, you, we would say, "See, that's why they're not the big dogs like WWE." Yeah, because they mess up on stuff like this. Uh, but then it happens on WWE, and, and we're like, "Oh, somebody know, messed yeah. up." Like this is a pretty this is this is not a this is an unacceptable recordable fixable mistake that was just you, you and and at the end of the day if Vince hears a podcast or any number of podcasts that talk about this I'm assuming will not be the only ones that do this that mention something about this and at some point don't you I mean here's the deal Sam Roberts is going to take the heat even though he didn't write this yeah, mm. you know, it's probably not his mistake. Oh, snap. <laughs> so, okay, I yeah. would have thought I, at that the, would At the just... very least, there was someone in his headset saying, ooh, ooh, you should talk about Alexa Bliss. She yeah. should be the number one. Uh, yeah. Okay. Which, which she should be, but that's another thing altogether. <laughs> it's Mother's Day. Give it to your <laughs> wife. I'm I'm just saying that in my opinion, well, her catching in the same day uh, was 
better than Seth Rollins cashing in at a different pay-per-view. Didn't Bailey also cash in same day, bud? So oh. they should be tied for first. <laughs> okay. So, so anyway, moving on, though. Uh, getting to the actual show, the main show. Uh, of course, there is their big entrance uh, thing, and they recapped all everything. Um, and at the time, I thought, man, this is really long recap. Uh, but now I'm thinking, you know, they probably could have made this twice as long, and then we wouldn't have been ending <laughs> at 8.30. Right. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, throw in a U.S. title or intercontinental title match somewhere yeah. in there. Throw another one. Or... Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross uh, versus yeah. the Iconics or someone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, guess... There's, there's options. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but they didn't. They didn't do those. They did start off with the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Uh, four corners match, whatever. Um, I can't even remember what they call it. Anyways, four-way tag team match. New yeah. Day versus Miz and John Morrison versus Forgotten Sons versus Lucha House Party. And it was done, the, the announced team like three times reiterated the rules. Only two people will be in the ring at a time, but those two people can tag anyone. And I'm like, yes, we've seen four-way tag matches before. See, so this is a structure issue that I have. And the reason I have an issue with this structure, and it should have been done tonight because it would have really given a pop to the, the initial match. Not that this wasn't a great match because this was a really good match. Um, but this structure is designed for Miz to pin Morrison or Morrison to pin Miz and them to steal the titles. Because all your team has to do is get the win, not not take the loss. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, really but I feel we would have got good what? Yeah, I I think they probably wouldn't have let that happen. They they would have turned that into a that no that's against the rules. Uh, you have to tag someone from another team. So I'm fine I, with that. I, I mean I can see that happening though, but I still feel like WWE and the Twitter world. Either way, they bitch about anything and everything and anything. Anyways, this would get a lot of heat for them doing that. Perfect. That's it. I. That's what we want is the heat. I, I don't I don't don't think it would be good. Um, yeah. However, okay. he, here's, you think it's Xbox the, heat. That's fine. Here's here's the problem with it, and it simply comes down to this: when you've got New Day and Miz and Morrison and Lucha House Party in the ring together, uh, and this is the sons. and the Forgotten Sons, but the, we I was were at ninety percent of the matches. I was specifically pointing out the other three because okay. they're all high flyers. They're all well for the most part, I guess. Biggie is not a high flyer, but. Kofi is. Kofi is, yeah. This is the perfect time for you to have either a tornado tag team match where you don't have to tag in. It's just your partner has to roll out, right? So if they get rolled out, then you jump in, right? Or at the very least, have it be a four-person tag where all four can be in the ring at the same time. Because you've got these high flyers uh, to keep this exciting. And then you make it only two people in the ring at the same time. That slows things down. Now, yes, we're talking about the overall length of the show. Maybe they needed to slow it down. But with these people, you know, Forgotten Sons are not high flyers. Uh, Uh And, and, you know, when you keep them in for most of the match and everything, it just slows the whole match down. And yes, it wasn't a bad match, right? Uh, but it really could have been way more exciting if, um, if it had been a little bit more chaotic. Um, also, 
one of the things that I have to take an issue with on this match is they made a very big deal at the beginning as that this was a no count out, no DQ, uh, and that Jackson Riker was going to be at ringside, which gives the Forgotten Sons a edge. And then halfway through the match, Jackson Riker gets ejected from ringside for barely doing anything. And yeah, I'm like, he'd actually been more involved earlier. Yeah, I'm like, wait, no. The, the rules of this match say he can be there because there's no disqualification. So that's my argument there. If they if they turn it into a storyline, if that becomes a storyline on SmackDown this week or whatever, I will retract this criticism. But as of right now, that is a plot hole because there's no reason he should have been ejected because this was a no disqualification match. And the announcers made sure to point out that he could affect the end of this match and it wouldn't disqualify the team. And then they eject him for no real reason. It made no sense. <laughs> That's valid. That's very, I didn't think of that. Yeah, that's very true. Well, and 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 that's a perfect storyline for the Forgotten Sons to be like, we got screwed again. Yep. And, you know, and here's the deal. Is, their names. Here's the deal: is it, if this is just a case that the announcers didn't know that the storyline plan was that he was going to get ejected, then this is a mistake on WWE's part for not. Uh, informing the announcers or not planning it out properly. If this was a storyline that they're planning down the road, then the announcers really should have played off more afterwards. Well, why is he getting ejected? They shouldn't eject him. This referee is going... And they, they did kind of say that a little bit, though. They said it like once or twice, but they should have spent the entire rest of the match driving home the fact of, you know, hey, it looks like... Looks like... Uh, you know, New Day might might pull this off, but it sure it sure seems unfair that Jackson Riker got ejected, even though this was a no disqualification match. You know, little things there are what set the story up in the end, and yeah. because they mentioned it like once, and then he was gone, and then you never heard about it again. So we're um, talking about little things, a, a lot of little things that made this pay per view not flow well. Um, there there is some good, really great features to this match that I loved. I love number one. Lucha House Party was Lucha House Party, not Lucha Botch Party. They did not mess up very <laughs> much in this. And so loved seeing them actually do a really good match where they weren't botching things on a regular basis. Um, number two, I feel like the two teams that were featured the most in this were Forgotten Sons and Lucha House Party, which I deeply enjoyed. Um, it really elevated the entire division as a whole. Um, this was, it was just really um, entertaining. I, I, I got emotionally involved in, in Forgotten Sons, like watching them kind of dismantle team after team after team and then getting tagged out and everything. But um, it was very, very good in that, in that aspect. The third thing I'm going to say about the match that I didn't enjoy, um, I, I enjoyed it but I thought it was unfair. There was a cave-in powerbomb done by New Day. Did you guys see that? Where Kofi went off the top rope and Big E had one of the Forgotten Sons, and I can't remember which one it was, um, in a powerbomb position. And Kofi did essentially Cameron Grimes cave-in to their chest along with Big E powerbombing. That should right. be a match finisher. Mm-hmm. That is that was that good of a move. Um, it was better. It looks it looked more impactful than Imperium's um, oh, European European bomb. Yeah, where they um, get him up and they hit him with the European uppercut. As it they looked, 
yeah, it looked more impactful than, say, um, what was the the one that the Heart Foundation used to do? The Heart Attack, uh, LODs, Legion of Doom's doomsday device it was very similar to that only there was a cave-in instead of a instead of a clothesline like as a whole this was a sweet move and it didn't put out a forgotten sun and nobody else broke up the tag that tag either or that that pinfall either needed to be broken up by somebody else or it needed to be a win that's how good this move was and uh that part that part significantly frustrated me in that moment i was like wwe is really good at at discovering a great new move and not using it when it's that time to be that great new move. Well, WWE is really good at not understanding that tag team moves should be the tag team finish, right? Because oh, this one ended with cool. Biggie hitting the big ending, which is a good move. I'm not saying it's yeah. not a good move, but that's a singles move. That's, that's the move that you do when you are a singles wrestler wrestling on your own and you just want to, you know, um, and and not to bring AEW into this too much, but it's the reason that anytime the uh, uh, Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, are wrestling as a tag team, they finish it with a Meltzer driver, which is a tag team move to finish it. It's also kind of a, a, a jab at Dave Meltzer uh, for not believing in them and calling them spot monkeys, which they are, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> um, because that's the deal. Is if you're a tag team, tag team moves should be your finisher 90% of the time. I'm not saying oh. you can't win matches with roll-ups or regular pinfalls or whatever, but if you're going to finish the match on a finisher, it should be a tag team. Well, unless unless it's unless it's like Miz and Morrison who are high-level individual stars that are in a tag team right now. You know, that's the that's the moment where you have Miz hit the skull crushing finale to get rid of one guy or hit the skull crushing finale to set up. Then uh, Morrison does the Starship Pain. Miz prevents the other person from coming in. Those types of things. But, but when you do a tag team finisher, it needs to be a finisher. And and if it's an inadvertent tag team finisher, then it needs to be broken up by somebody else. Like, but he, here's the deal. Is you talking about the skull-crushing finale into a Starship Pain? That in and of itself of a is a tag team finisher. Yeah, right? true, true combining those together into into one move and that's what they should do i mean that's the whole point now like i said i'm not saying that they cannot win on other moves i'm just saying that it's what separates tag team matches from singles matches absolute chances for these so i get what you're saying there um like i say i like the big ending but uh, to me be perfectly honest I think uh, of the three members of the New Day, Big E is the one who needs the singles push and put Kofi and Xavier Woods in the tag division. Um, and uh, this isn't uh, saying anything about uh, Xavier Woods or, or Kofi. They're both phenomenal. And I know Xavier's still injured, and so I'm not talking about that for now, but it's it comes down to Big E is a star, and he legitimately could be a believable contender in main event singles. Uh, and they just keep him in a tag team so he can swivel it. Mm-hmm. He, he also um, may be a, a bigger star than Otis on the singles run. He, he could potentially be, but we will get to Otis later. <laughs> later. Because <laughs> I'm sure we will have a lot to say about Otis. Um, I'm not at all obsessed at all. Uh, 
Christopher. And I like Otis, but but we're going to say a lot about him. Um, moving on, next match. R-Truth versus MVP. But it didn't end up being MVP because R-Truth wanted to talk basketball and then Bobby Lashley came out and took the spot. And that brings up the, the question, who sets the rules for these matches that another wrestler could just come out and say, nah, I got this, you know? Uh, is there any other sport, like in UFC, if you're setting up for, you know, <laughs> Conor McGregor versus, versus, I don't know, Nate Diaz or whatever, uh, you know, could Chuck Liddell just come out and be like, nah, man, I'll take your spot. Um, because yeah, and that's legitimately I, what it's I, like because it's it's I'm, a completely different I'm surprised division. though you compared a com- <laughs> you compared two amazing athletes at their highest level to MVP and our truth though can't really make that comparison but I get what you're saying I'm just being I, a nitpicking I I gotta be uh, honest I I literally threw out three of the five MMA names I know. So uh, all in different weight classes. So I, I was impressed. Yeah, I, th- those were like the three uh, names I, I could think of offhand. I mean, I was gonna say uh, Ronda Rousey, but a she's retired, and b she wouldn't be fighting Conor McGregor. Although that might be a more entertaining match than we've seen in a while. So maybe I don't know. Um, <laughs> Anyway, but that's yeah. uh, that. Well, retired and, doesn't work. And, Chuck Liddell's retired and wouldn't be fighting Conor McGregor. Different weight classes. So uh, anyway, moving forward. But anyway, that was that was my shout out to Tatness for you know actually knowing stuff about. MMA. I know some MMA a little bit, <laughs> a tiny bit. Uh, so, but yeah, no, it was just it just came out and you know, MVP was all dressed up to wrestle. And he came out and he did his ball and move. But as he did his ball and move, uh, R-Truth did the ball and move. Uh, And then went to talk like he's teaching MVP about basketball. And and it was a funny little segment, but then it just ended with Bobby Lashley coming out and saying, no, take the night off, I've got this. And I I just don't understand the logic of, of, I mean, we have contract signings for the main events on a regular basis. Right. So that implies that storyline-wise, you're signing a contract for these matches. So you know, if you sign a contract to purchase a car, you can't just ha- someone else can't just come up and show up and be like, "Nah, it's okay, I got this." Um, no, you signed the contract. Uh, this is this is a car that you're buying. Um, so. And like we mentioned, this was on the main card and not Jeff Hardy and Cesaro. Like, what exactly. a slap in the face, all kinds. So, um, the match itself was basically a squash match. Uh, and, you know, we've talked a lot recently about squash matches. Uh, what are good ways to do them? What are bad ways to do them? This, I would argue, was a bad way to do them. Like, really? don't get me wrong. I thought Lashley looked fantastic in this match. La- Lashley looked fantastic. Uh, here's my problem is, R-Truth was not the person Lashley should have looked fantastic, right? This doesn't, this didn't build Lashley up. Like, like if you had Lashley defeat Cesaro, if the same match was set up, uh, basically the same, MVP versus Cesaro, and then Lashley comes out and takes MVP's spot and squashes Cesaro, I think it elevates Lashley. But because R-Truth has spent so much time on the 24-7, and based on a promo later on in the show interview, 
uh, is going back to the 24-7, 40, 48-7, championship. Uh, Brady. Yeah, he's going to go after Tom Brady. Uh, you know, it doesn't build him up. I mean, you might as well have had R-Truth destroy Mojo Rawley. It, it, it doesn't build uh, Bobby Lashley. It doesn't build it at all. And that's where my problem is. This was a squash match that did not... Yes, Lashley looked good. Lash, we've said it before. Lashley is better than WWE has allowed him to be. But you build him up in this case by having him beat someone that should put up a fight and just have him be just a monster. And because Lashley coming back and beating R-Truth three years ago would have been a storyline, would have been a big deal. Lashley coming out now and beating him, all of us are like, he should have beat him, you know? Yeah. This is the Including our truth. <laughs> this is the 24-7. He wins every match with a roll-up, right? Yeah. I uh, I enjoyed, like I said, I enjoyed the Lashley part. Um, obviously, they're building to MVP having a faction here. Um, well, and, he, or you know, manager for Lashley of some yeah. type. He's already got a faction starting with uh, Brendan Bink and uh, Shane Thorne um, that they've been building up. So this would be him adding Lashley as a third, fourth man to the faction. Yeah. Well, an individual title contender, I think, is what but, they're going for. But yeah. And that's a, that, that would have been a better way to have uh, done the setup for this match is instead of MVP coming out in outfit ready to wrestle, it would have been his music plays. He comes out on the ramp and says, you know what? Here's the deal. We signed this match for me, but I'm not going to be your opponent. Yeah. And my client. Mm-hmm. Yep. My client, Robert Lashley, when you, you make him change, you give him a na- different name. Some sound like Robert Rude. Anyway. Um, so I like I didn't hate the match. I just didn't think it did what they wanted for Lashley. Like it no, didn't make I him. Uh, moving on, we have the SmackDown Women's Championship match: Bailey versus Tamina. And of course, the Sasha Banks was out there uh, at ringside, and um, this match was better than it had its rights. To. And that's Amen. why I I I said before we started recording that my favorite match of the night might actually surprise people. Uh, and this might be my favorite match. Of the night. Oh, wow. I um, would not say favorite of the night, but I would hands down. Better than expected, for sure. I, I have, we have all done some dogging on Bailey recently. Um, and I'm going to flat out say Bailey pulled a great, not a great, a better than ever expected <laughs> match out of out of Tamina. Like Tamina doesn't put on that matches that good. And so I was actually looking forward to talking about this because I was thinking the same thing. Holy that, crap, Bailey pulled a great match or a good match out of Tamina. Yeah. I like I say I'm not saying it was it was the best match, but it might be my favorite match. And that's a important distinction. From a quality of wrestling, this was still Tamina, right? Yeah. Um, but from a storyline standpoint, than you'd seen in ages. Yeah, it was still a better Tamina, and and but like I said, from from a storyline standpoint, setting up uh, just subtle things for the feud that we know is coming between Sasha and Bailey. It's coming. They're slow burning, and I I want to dog them for it, but I 
I think they wanted to add a live show. Do all that's the other. I want to dog them for it, but I want to give them credit really for it more than that, because it takes a lot of forethought and planning to slow burn something. But you know, before the match, in an interview backstage, like right before they came up uh, with uh, um, um, Kayla. Hey, Kayla. Um, they, you know, they're interviewing, and Bailey says that I don't blame Sasha Banks for. Tamina pinning her on SmackDown, um, and and it was just one of those like little digs at Sasha that was that backhanded compliment sort of a thing, you know, all of these little things in it. And then during the match, Bailey looked vicious. Bailey looked like the heel that she's supposed to be. Uh, Bailey worked over the knee, you know, did did all the 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 stuff that. And I'm not comparing Bailey to Ric Flair. But it is important. Ric Flair was was a king of this whole heel tactics of picking out a leg or a joint and working on it the entire match, you know, and exploiting it. And that's what Bailey did on Tamina, and it worked really well. Uh, you know, uh, Tamina went to do a super kick, and Bailey caught it and dropped down into a leg lock. That was really that was well a done. Sweet set that that part was very good. It was really well done. Um, and, you know, and, and most of it, like Bailey just being vicious and attacking that leg, was really well done. I'm not saying this is an A plus match overall, but I'm saying out of the night, out of all of the matches, this was the one that I said, you know, that might be my favorite match of the night. Um, I think it's your expectations were so low for it, though. Like, had your expectations been where they were for, I don't know, New Day, Ms. Morrison, you know, for the, the tag titles or. Even for, uh, wow, you're going to put MVP on the main card? Okay, maybe this is going to be pretty decent. Um, the expectations are so... And, and, and I don't want to dog Tamina, because this was a really good Tamina match, which is an average anybody else match. Um, it, it, the expectations were so low that that uh, this definitely exceeded them. Um, and so, of course, in the end, th- there, was even, there was even a good moment where... Uh, Bailey tried to hit Tamina with the Samoan drop and couldn't lift her up and dropped her because of that. That, you know, these these little things here were all really well done. And then uh, probably the only, like, down that I can give this really as an overall, because I enjoyed the match. It wasn't it wasn't a five-star, you know, Meltzer match by any means, but it was enjoyable. I didn't like the crucifix pin for the victory. Um, yeah, I thought if, it was a little chintzy, but I... Well, it's I only because it was just awkwardly cheat, done. Cheat to retain yeah. is almost what I, I would have rathered there. Yeah, I would have preferred a a roll up with feet <laughs> on the ropes, you know, yeah. or or a roll up and Sasha helps grab the hand outside the rings or something like that. You know, or Sasha come get, interferes and it's a DQ. I I, <laughs> I would have been okay with that. I don't like roll ups for wins. I don't. I don't. Out I out. don't have a. I don't have a problem with roll-ups for wins, but when you're a heel character and you do a roll-up for a win, there should be heel tactics involved, right? Like feet on the yes, ropes, yes. like grabbing the ropes for leverage, something like that. Um, heck, I would have been totally fine if it would have ended on a figure four leg lock, uh, it, you know, bringing up Ric Flair. Do that. Figure four leg lock, reach back and grab the ropes while they're checking to see if her shoulders are pinned. That, that was classic moves that Ric Flair did and there was a reason and we've talked about it before as to why 
I firmly believe that only heel characters should use the figure four leg lock. Um, and this is the example is because during the figure four leg lock, it's one of the only submission maneuvers where the uh, the person that the maneuver is being done on is also in danger of being pinned if their shoulders go down. So they've got to fight to sit up and all that stuff, but then the pain forces them to lay back and then they can get counted too and then all this. But because of that, the referee has to keep their eyes on the shoulders so the heel character can reach back and grab the ropes to give more leverage. Um, I'm using air quotes on that because I don't think it actually gives them more leverage, but that's the storyline. Mm-hmm. This would have been a perfect example for Bailey to do that. Um, you know, but the, that's my only problem. Not to throw a throw to uh, NXT, but you know, I do the, the reviews for that. Um, the Kabuta Katai, Katami, that uh, Dexter Loomis does, since now they've actually given it a real name, um, also fits in that category, just for future reference. If you're not falling in love with Dexter Loomis yet, if he decides to go heel, he can put his feet up on the rope and park even deeper into that Katami. But but that's, anyway. that's what I was saying. I Probably my surprise match of the night, uh, not match of the night, I want to make that distinction, but surprise match of the night, and probably, like I said, just from a storyline standpoint, uh, all of that stuff, probably my favorite match of the night. Um, was it a five-star Meltzer match? No. I enjoyed, at the end, that that uh, Tamina took her up to put her in the Samoa drop, because she's pissed off that she got pinned. I, I enjoyed that. Yep. I don't know why, but I did. I was like, oh, yeah, well, I'd be pissed off, too. And granted, she didn't actually hit the Samoan drop, but that's okay. But moving on, and this is where I actually, I texted you guys, um, because uh, like I said, with with what I was doing before this, I started off a little behind, so I had to catch up on the, the uh, network show, right? So I finally caught up right in time for the Universal Championship match. Uh, and I texted you guys, and I said, all those people on Twitter who argue that the, uh, the top title should always be the main event uh, of the evening are probably just having an absolute conniption right now because here we are we've got three matches left and the third to last match is the Universal Championship which arguably is the biggest championship in WWE um, you can argue back and forth uh, it's on the prestige show the fox show however the wwe championship is on raw which is the three hour show and the one with the longest heritage either way neither of those were the main event so which is okay in in a and i know you don't you don't like the the um prop shows except for royal rumble um but in a in a prop show you kind of have to do the prop show as the main event. Well, yeah, yeah but... I'd agree with that too. I mean, I didn't, I, I don't overly bitch on Twitter and make it a huge, huge deal. Uh, but at the same time, when it's like an elimination chamber match and it's not for the title or the, you know, the Royal Rumble, I consider obviously Royal Rumble, like I would consider Royal Rumble to a main event thing, although sometimes they don't necessarily do that either, right? You know, sometimes so they bring I consider it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. And, yeah. and I'll, I'll be, I'll be upfront. The people that I'm aiming this criticism at mostly are Cult of Cornet type guys, um, because they all argue that your top top belt should always be the main event. I don't believe this. I'm just saying that they're probably having a I'm of the firm believer that uh, your main event should always be the top draw of the show. In the case of these 
shows that are gimmick-based, then that's the gimmick match, yes. In the case of regular not shows... Not always, that because not- that... Remember, the gimmick match, when they when they had it split up on the women's and men's, a lot of us have Alexa Bliss cash in the same night, which, according to Sam Roberts, should be the number one WrestleMania... Or, <laughs> thing ever. Um, but... Um, no, I, I, I'm... I, I, I understand both ways. I agree with the top draw being the, the match of the night. Um, now, now, here's think, the deal. Think, think Hogan versus... Um, Hogan versus Warrior was the top match of the night. It wasn't for the title. Mm-hmm. Wait. Yeah, wasn't for the title. Um, Hogan and Savage versus, I think, Demolition was the premium match. wasn't for the world championship. Um, you know, uh, Hogan, and I, I hate to keep using Hogan, but Hogan versus Rock should have been the main event, and it wasn't the main event. At that I mean, WrestleMania, the, that was the best match of that WrestleMania. I mean, ultimately speaking, should should your title usually be on the biggest draw? Sure. I would argue that most of the time, yes, but not always, right? Because half of the fun of these shows is your most popular person chasing a title, right? Um, we've talked before about how Becky Lynch has felt boring in this last year that she's had the title and just kind of wandered around, right? Um, because she worked better as the person chasing the title. Uh, yeah. And, and that's a perfect example. So, you know, I'm not saying that you can't have your main event be the title match. Uh, usually that's when your draw is chasing the title or defending the title. But, you know, in the case of Hulk Hogan versus Rock, there was no reason that either of them at that point should have had the title. But that one definitely should have been the main event. Because yeah. those are the two biggest draws, probably in the history of wrestling. Of professional wrestling, yeah. <laughs> you know, With, the, um, the only thing that would have made it better is if Stone Cold was in it. Mm-hmm. And like, so, I mean, it's the same thing, you know, during the NWO heydays, right? Uh, it doesn't matter if Hogan was the champion or not; he's in the main event. That's where it should be, it, you know, regardless of what the storyline is. Um, Macho but Man, Nash versus Hall because they hate each other for some reason at that moment, you know. Yeah, yeah. and that's the deal. Is, is in the end, uh, Macho Man was very rarely the champion. He was Intercontinental Champion a bunch, but in terms of heavyweight champion in WCW or WWE, he didn't have it that often. But he deserves to be as part of the main event a lot because he was legitimately one of the bigger draws, um, period. And so in the case of this, uh, in the case of this, um, you know, is Braun Strowman the biggest draw? No, uh, he he was at one point one of the bigger draws and they missed their chance at that point. Well, and he right. was going up against what some people would consider the biggest draw. Mm-hmm. Um, potentially. But we're talking still this time about a gimmick pay-per-view where, in this case, yeah. the gimmick match. Now, if they have the matches separate, right, men's and women's, which um, I'm going to say right now that um, I think it was a week ago, uh, JLB and I were on the side of uh, joining the men's and women's uh, together into one match was a horrible idea. And uh, I'm going to go on the record and say I stand by that tonight. Um, and, but and we'll get to know, that. All right, fine. But we will get to that. But <laughs> but if this, if they had them separate, which I think they should have, 
they could have had one of these matches as the main event and the Money in the Bank as the co-main event, um, you know, or something like that. Uh, the, the men's Money in the Bank or the women's or whatever. But, well, and because of the setup, we knew there couldn't be a same night cash in because yeah. even though we recorded the the Money in the Banks earlier in the week and it was a production value item, and I think that's what they're kind of falling victim to here is the production value item is going to be the main event because it was at WrestleMania for both nights. So I fear um, maybe that may be their thing. I um, Go ahead. I, I feel like with this one, though, because they recorded it in advance and it was pretty common knowledge that they recorded it in advance, um, this would have been a perfect time to have the money in the bank earlier in the night because then you could tease a potential cash in the entire night. <laughs> they flew here all the way from Connecticut tonight. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, they basically... Yeah, basically just saying the entire time, you know, even just showing showing people back in a locker room, just hanging out. These are the contestants from the Money in the Bank, but that that match took place in Connecticut. You know, what are they doing here? We'll find out. You know, anyways, but that's beside the point. So we're we're on the Universal Championship match, Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt. And this was not a bad match. I don't want to ever make it sound like this was a bad match. I I still think it was too early to do this match. And and I kind of think that the wrong person won it. Uh, not just because I picked it in the pool wrong, but uh, but because because I think once again, if you're trying to build up Bray Wyatt as the character that he is, and you put him in a match, this is when he should win. Uh, and this was also a perfect time, especially with pr- the pre-taped nature of so much of this, that you could do some Bray Wyatt fiend shenanigans, right? And that's what I was really expecting to happen. I was expecting there to be a moment because he wrestled a the blackout. entire match. Yeah, he wrestled the entire match as Bray Wyatt, not the. Uh, but this was the perfect time that they could have had a change in the middle of a match where, you know, it, and they kind of did, but the wrong way where he goes under the ring and then he comes out as the fiend and then he wins as the fiend. Um, and you could even make that as part of the storyline. He won as the fiend, but it was Bray Wyatt who was supposed to be in this match. Title. So Bray Wyatt didn't win the title. The fiend won. Yeah. Or whatever, you know, yeah. that's fine. You could do that sort of technicality, but they well, did. And they did some of that with uh, with the Cena buildup. Mm-hmm. So that's that's another piece to that. And I was expecting that to happen as well. So go on. But so, anyways, um, they did do a few fiend shenanigans uh, or Bray Wyatt shenanigans in the fact that um, randomly Huskus the pig started showing up at ringside to cheer Wyatt on, and then um, later you got to see. Uh, Abby, the, the the bird raptor, um, and uh, bird raptor, uh, and Abby the witch, and and uh, um, um rambling the, rabbit, rambling rabbit, you know, out there. Which, once again, I'm I'm not a fan of them appearing at ringside. I'm gonna say it because to me, they make more sense to be figments of his imagination, not actuality. But that's the way they're going. So whatever. Um, in the end, uh, I mean, the match went back and forth. Uh, Braun Strowman, you know, was the powerhouse. Uh, Bray Wyatt had to be faster or more wily to, to get the upper hand. It worked the way it did. Um, but then... I guess I would have fantasy booked this match differently. Are you, are you still recapping the match? 
Yeah, I'm still recapping it, but in in the end, it came to to. He um, was still talking. Yeah. Bray, Bray Wyatt was in the ring, and then all of a sudden, you saw Strowman's head uh, pop up, but he's wearing the black sheep mask, and he comes into the ring, and there's this kind of confrontation there, and Bray Wyatt's like, like I promise this time everything will be perfect, and they get up and they hug in the center of the ring, and and um, the puppets all cheer on the outside, uh, like the, the Wyatt family's reunion. Uh, the match still isn't over, keep in mind. This is still going on. And then as they separate, uh, Strowman then shoves uh, Wyatt away, pulls the mask off, throws it on the floor, stomps on it, and then hits a running power slam for the win on Bray Wyatt. Uh, and that's where I'm like, it just, like, from a storyline standpoint, it just felt clunky. So, oh. yeah. I think I fantasy book this a little bit differently. I think I book it as Strowman getting a legitimate win and Bray having the, my son is finally, okay, my son is worthy of that title. And walk away from Bray. And this is this is part of the fantasy booking we have with Bray. Um, walk away from Bray having to have the title. Yeah. That's your I'd... opportunity there. Because I think what you end up getting when you do that is you can have a feud later on where Strum's like, dude, you gotta quit acting like I'm your kid. <laughs> like, <laughs> just be done with it for a while. Um, allow for another feud. Um, what they led to afterward was that the fiend was gonna go after Strowman. I don't like. It I, I just. I think it's okay. Number one, I think it's okay for Firefly Funhouse Bray to lose. I really do. Um, yeah. I don't think it's okay for the fiend to lose, which we talked about with uh, Seth Rollins way back in November. Um, yeah, hell in a cell. But question. Go ahead. Did we know who, Bray, who Braun was technically going to face? No. Because I was shocked that it was Bray Wyatt. Yeah, when he came out as Bray Wyatt, I was like, oh, okay, Braun can still win. Right. That's actually... <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, they won't ruin this. But they'll still ruin it eventually because now they have The Fiend wanting to go after Braun. The Fiend doesn't want a title. He wants annihilation. Right. And and I think that's that that's where the problem lies. Like, the, it if they make it a dark match, fine. Braun can lose to the Fiend, but you make it a title match, and it's you're not elevating that title by doing that. And you're certainly not elevating the Fiend, and you're not elevating the ability to have other feuds. You're just not. Um, it's part of what made Demon Demon Finn Balor coming out so impactful. Because we knew the demon wasn't going to lose, but it was rare because it was such a burden on Finn Balor to do. And and I understand that he's a draw, but it, we just talked about it. Your draws don't have to be your world champions. Um, and so it's frustrating to see this, and especially when there was an out. When Bray came out as Bray Wyatt, Firefly Funhouse Bray, suddenly, you know, you had you could be something you could do something else with this the fiend can be the indestructible destroy destroyer eater of worlds so to say um and bray can can be this father figure which they played and i was like oh this is perfect you can just have him be like i'm proud of my son he's finally there and this is this is my sheep who followed me and now he's there and i'm proud of him and you know you could even have vignettes where he's like walks up to him backstage and goes proud of you and walks on and 
and Strowman's just like, ugh, what? <laughs> you know, just like frustrated and annoyed by it, um, which allows for like a six to eight month build for this rather than, and, and Strowman can lose the title and then you can have the Bray versus Strowman feud because you failed me. Now there's a feud there, you know? Like that's yeah. long-term story writing. I think that would work. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, no, but like that makes complete sense. It was just way too quick uh, for them to even do this feud. It could have been done so well because yeah. we all know of the history of him being part of the Wyatt family and so on. This is my creation. The buildup was there. It was it was there, and they were kind of doing it nicely, but then they just kind of realized like. Oh, wait a minute. We don't really know what to do now. We have this monumental storyline that we can achieve, but we don't know how to necessarily execute it now. And this is what happens anytime you sprint in a marathon. Like, that's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. So. And because everything is videotaped, though, you could have just done some kind of Firefly Funhouse thing. Like, make him face. Uh, Firefly Funhouse uh, Bray for a bit and then randomly everything just goes off and then you see Bray and then you see the Fiend kind of on the thing and the Fiend wants to destroy Bray um, destroy Braun but uh, Firefly Funhouse uh, Wyatt doesn't want it to happen so it's like almost like a Bray Wyatt is kind of fighting with the Fiend. This is my fantasy, by the way. My <laughs> uh, Bray Wyatt is kind of fighting with the Fiend kind of thing. Like, no, he's my creation. Don't destroy him. And then, like, the Fiend wants to destroy him because the Fiend is the only one that is in his head kind of thing. He can't. He's not being controlled. He's the controller, kind of. I don't know. Like they could have went so many trippy ways with this. Could have been like a Stephen King book or film, because you're doing a lot of video editing. You could have made it work in some yeah. crazy little trippy thing. Yeah, this would have been a that... perfect opportunity for them to do the what we were talking about months ago, um, with uh, the fiend wrestling and then his mask getting removed and he becomes the Firefly Funhouse Bray and is now weak and, and beatable. You know what I mean? Yeah. That then then the fiend doesn't lose, it's Bray that loses, um, because his power got stripped from him. This is a perfect opportunity. It makes Strowman looks bigger and smarter by being the one who figures out I just have to get that mask off him. Um, and then it gives uh, the Fiend a Achilles heel that you can then exploit in later matches, you know, or at least tease in later matches. Yeah. But, like, I didn't hate the match. It just no. didn't tell the storyline that I think it should have, so. It, it, it didn't tell any story, really. It's 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 telling way too fast of a title. Of a title um, and I know, I know Smarks right now does not like Braun Strowman. Um, but maybe you'd forgotten it. I just reminded you. I don't know. Um, I, I still don't like him, but now now that his best friend is a victim of the thing that he, uh, you know, poo-pooed so much earlier, I, I hope he's at least changed his mind a little bit, yeah. you know, uh, uh, you know, thinking, hey, uh, maybe, you know, because legitimately Drake Maverick probably worked harder than most of the people in WWE. <laughs> And uh, get shit camp. So yeah. So anyway, but at, at the end of the day, when you, 
the only story you tell when somebody loses the title quickly is that it was a fluke win. And yeah. and that's that's a tough thing to do. Not to mention you just had Bray Wyatt lose the title as the fiend to Goldberg, to a retired <laughs> guy. Couldn't that, let me forget that, huh? Yeah, you just had to remember remind me of that stupid the Braun mowed through at WrestleMania. You know, you just the, the ah. Uh, don't 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 use up all your exasperation. We still have the money in the bank match. <laughs> we'll have to do a little bit of that. that happens, we have a really good match. Probably what I would call match of the night, not surprise of the night, but match of the night. I, I would agree. We will move on to the WWE Championship match. Uh, Drew McIntyre defending against Seth Rollins. And yes, this was the best wrestling match of the night. And I'm not going to deny that. I still I think the best story was told here, too. Quite possibly. Um, in, in the end, like I say, for me, it just, uh, for some reason or other, the Bailey match was the match that I come away going, I, I liked hey. that match. Um, it was a good match, though. Huh? I, I'm, I'm not saying that this was a bad match. In fact, like I say, overall, most people would grade this as a better match, and I'm not going to argue with them on it. Uh, they're they're probably right that this was a better match all around. But the Bailey match, and maybe like you say, maybe it was based on low expectations for it. Uh, but it's the match that I'm going to remember and talk surprise. about. Pleasant uh, surprise. But Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins. Uh, it started off. Seth Rollins has new theme music. Um, at least for tonight, he did. And oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, he has new theme music. He had a kind of a new entry. Um, and uh, WWE posted on Facebook page, uh, Seth Rollins with an amazing entry. What did you think? And I said, if it's all right, but you did Killer Cross earlier this week, and you just can't top that, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, Carry it, by the way. Carry it, Cross, yep. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but that's the deal. Is It's like... You know, I don't care what you do with Seth Rollins right now. After Karrion Cross's entrance, no entrance change right now in WWE is going to be worth anything. I'm not going to care. Right? Yeah, it needs that. That needs to get the new off of it for a short while. Yeah, that was so freaking amazing that I don't care what you do with Seth Rollins. He could he could come out and murder a goat on the top of the ramp, and I'd still be like, man. That was at the level, Karrion Cross's entrance was at the level that The Fiend's entrance was. Because mm-hmm. we hadn't seen The Fiend yet, and we hadn't seen The Fiend's entrance. And when we got that hurt heel with Bray's head as the lantern and everything. And that very first time, yeah. Yeah, that first time was like, oh. Wow. Oh. I and haven't re- seen it. It's that epic? It is. Now, now oh. keep in mind, it's scaled down a bit because it's an NXT entrance. It's not the... The, the WrestleMania, you know, size right. entrance sort of a thing, but but no, it it was it was lights and fogs and and uh, I mean everything. The music it was, was good. perfect. It was great, and, and uh, the music was perfect for it. The fog was perfect for it. The fog actually even hung around halfway through the match. Not saying that the fog hung around for a long time, just that the match was short. Um, but it was perfect for it. Think Hunter entrance without expecting a Hunter entrance. Oh, it was okay. it, you just it, seriously. If you haven't seen it, um, even I just, like I, how the, the silhouettes worked at the very beginning. That was my favorite part. Mm-hmm. When their two silhouettes came together, it was like this angel of death 
look. I was like, oh my god, that's terrifying. That's so awesome. (laughs) And like I said, it made him look like a big fucking deep, right? Uh, Seth Rollins' new entrance didn't make him look like a big deep. It Um, made him look like he changed his nickname to the Monday Night Messiah. Yeah, they're just going all in on that, and he's got some new music and whatever, right? Amazing, um, Nicole. Is it, is it downworthy? No. No. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a believer that Seth Rollins didn't necessarily need new theme music. He, they could have tweaked it to fit his new Monday Night Messiah heel gimmick. Um, a little bit better. You know, like, instead of the burn it down, they could just have a hallelujah or something like that to... to... (laughs) Yeah. Um, But anyways, um, this match... (laughs) This match, Rollins and and McIntyre went back and forth. Uh, Rollins playing the the, uh, sneaky, wily former champion who kind of knew what was going on. Um, You know, trying to take get one over on the you know new champion who's never been world champion before and and all of this stuff uh, it went back and forth uh, there were avoided claymore kicks uh, uh, countering a future future shock DDT uh, you know I mean there was there was pretty much anything you could want in this match between them it was a couple great, Glasgow kisses mm-hmm, yeah a great great uh, back and forth at one point Rollins tries to bring a steel chair into the ring, but then thinks better of it because the referee reminds him that if you use it, you're going to lose the match. So he has to put the chair back down, you know, sort of a thing. Um, but it just went back and forth. The pacing was good. Um, you know, uh, pretty much everything on this was good. Um, I was kind of hoping for a KO spot in this. That was like the only downside for me. Well, he's still it injured, been- though. Yeah, he's technically injured. So oh, I think okay. I think if he hadn't gotten injured, he got injured at WrestleMania apparently. And um, if he hadn't got injured, I I could have seen them having him maybe an after the match spot where he comes back out. But anyways, but um, but yeah, no, like it, it came at the end. McIntyre hits the Glasgow kiss. Then Rollins hits a super kick. Then uh, uh, McIntyre bounces off the rope straight into a Claymore kick and well, gets the win. You did, yeah. It, you Is know, anyone else getting annoyed by McIntyre already? No. I'm not, no. I, I know some people are. I see it on Twitter, some people. Um, some people, to be perfectly honest, I think some of it's just storyline-wise because they... they abruptly turned him face for his championship instead of allowing him to just be the snarky champion, the heel champion. I don't know. We're, we're, we're four and a half months after his start to the turning face. This but, reminds So if you think back to like 1994 um, WWE, which again, I know is the low point in WWE's history. What made it a low point was how long the guy who went from heel became face and was champion as a face. And that's Diesel, or Kevin Nash, was a heel, became face, was champion for over a year, or for nearly a year. Um, I, I think that this works for six to eight months of championship holding. I don't think it works any longer than that. I think he has to go back to being heel. But tonight, I was like, oh my gosh, he's Diesel. Because he came back out and shook hands. 
That, that's that's the deal. Yeah. Like, I I don't have these problems, but I know why people. I think I know. I um, and I, because... I I think that's a good analysis though of maybe them because I'm like, why do I already not like him? Like I don't want to be one of those people who want him as the champion and then hate him because he's the champion. Like I felt like such a like a Twitter whore. You know Too what late. I mean? Like one. You're these, already one of them. I, I know. One but of I, us. One of us. One of us. <laughs> but um, I, you might be onto something with the abrupt change, maybe, because I loved him as a heel. Mm-hmm. And, and I go think back heel. I think I think he has yeah. to go back heel. But right now, it's okay for him to be a face. And I think that's probably the plan. I mean, we've we've talked about it before. Some of the best storylines are. Uh, when you've got the face champion who slowly becomes egotistical and turns heel as champion. Not because, overnight like Bailey did. Yeah, where where it's not just a now I'm champion, I'm a bad guy, but slowly, you know, they're champion and they they uh, start to do the, the little things during matches to to retain um that are a little bit cheating, you know, and then and then uh, they look like they're about to lose a match, but they grab the ropes or or grab the tights on a roll up to, to get the win. Uh, but then they justify it. They're like, uh, no, it's it's I was going to win one way or another. That's fine. I think that's probably coming down the road. I think it just felt to a lot of fans very fast to the face turn and that as a face, he little more bland. Um, I didn't feel it tonight at all. Um, the only was a good match. No, because he said just... it in his promo, he said he was going to break Seth's jaw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, um, it's not all the way face. Yeah. In the end, about the only confusing part of this, um, and I know it was intentionally confusing because even the uh, announcers were confused by it, but was after the match, McIntyre came back in the ring and held out his hand and, and challenged uh, Seth Rollins to be the leader that he claims to be and shake my hand. And and so it finished with the, uh, the handshake. And I'm not angry about McIntyre offering the hand. I'm confused about Seth Rollins accepting the hand. Like, it didn't make yeah. sense to me yeah. storyline-wise. For him not to go heal and kick him in the nuts or something. Yep. Or just or, roll or out just of the re- ring. Yeah, just avoid the handshake entirely and roll out of the ring. You know, uh, you didn't beat me. Surprise appearance. You know, one of other Seth Rollins guys comes in uh, that's we don't know of or something to continue that. Because I feel like this is... So do you think this is over then? Seth McIntyre? For a while. Yeah, I think it'll be over. I think they're going to have... Storyline wise, they're gonna have uh, Seth Rollins lick his proverbial wounds for a bit, um, and then he's gonna come back even angrier and go after some other things. I I really think storyline wise, this match was about uh, establishing Drew McIntyre more than it was about Seth Rollins. Right? As a face of the company. As a face of the company, look, I beat Seth Rollins. I beat your man. You know? And I did it. And I did it with sportsmanship. I think. I think uh-huh. that's a thing that they kind of want in their face right now. That's yeah. what Cena is. So and that's why oh, I say what? I don't have a problem with McIntyre offering the hand. I'm just confused with the accepting it. But but on that note, we get to the meat of this meat and potatoes uh, dish here. Um, Worst the, meat ever. 
We got like the worst meat ever. <laughs> yeah, this was the butt. Um, <laughs> this was the Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, of course, they had previously announced that the men's and women's ladder matches would be held concurrently. Uh, a big word that means at the same time. Um, and, uh, you know, I know a lot of this was about you know, how much we praised the cinematic matches at WrestleMania. They're like, well, let's do it again because they liked that so much. And that was my worry is that WWE would WWE this. And that's really what they did. I knew it was out for... I I knew it was out for a bad start when they, at the uh, headquarters, had entrance music as they walked (laughs) into the lobby and it looked <laughs> One at a time, they had entrance music play as they walked around the corner into the lobby and then stood there and waited. And it looked silly. It looked especially silly on, like, Aleister Black uh, to have his dark, creaky music play. And, and then he just kind of walks around a corner under fluorescent lights, uh, <laughs> you know, in his outfit. Like, like, if there was ever a time for wrestlers to uh, not wear their typical ring gear, wrestle this match in jeans or something. This was it. Yeah. You know, um, and nope, nope, they're all out there in their full ring gear. Aleister Black comes out in his spiky jacket and everything, and it just looked a little weird. Um, and and things went downhill from there. Now, <laughs> I, now I'm not going to say that this, this didn't have good spots. There were good spots in there. There were some cameos that were funny, at least. Uh, I would say the first one was good. The second one was bad. <laughs> uh, there there were some that were just confusing. Uh, there were some that made no sense from a storyline standpoint, I got to be honest. And we'll get to those. But I'm not going to go play by play on this because it was too chaotic to really do that. Uh, but they started off on the main floor. Uh, it started off with after all the entries were announced, Asuka hadn't come out during her time. They didn't know where right. she was. And all of a sudden you hear her and you look up and she's um, stepped over the railing on the balcony and she dives down onto everyone on the main floor. Which I enjoyed that. Which was funny, except for the fact that you, you take a, a step back. <laughs> you had a head start, Asuka. You were already one floor up. Once they rang the bell to start the match, just start going up. They're one floor <laughs> below you. You've got a head start. You could have made it all the way to the top and won. Um, but... That's just interesting, though. I like that she did do that so she could ultimately get a better head start and go into that elevator. Yeah. So I didn't I Except for she doesn't know how to hit the button for the top floor. Yeah, just kind of <laughs> stands in the elevator. Anyways, uh, but no, I that yes, that's a little nitpicky, but it made no sense storyline-wise. There were other things that made no sense to analyze. Um, There were some things I liked. Uh, The fight started off on the main floor, which has their workout room. Uh, And for the men, right? The women just kind of disappeared. And this is is one of the things that frustrated me about this, and I knew it was going to frustrate me about this, is the fact that they just played this kind of ping pong game where they'd spend like two minutes watching the men fight. And just... (laughs) Just forget about where the women are. It doesn't matter. The women are someplace. Don't worry about them. And then they'd suddenly cut the camera to, now here are the women in a 
you know, meeting room or something, and they're fighting and everything, and there's ping-ponging back and forth, really made it feel really disjointed and not not seamless sort of a thing. Um, but the men start fighting in the I didn't mind that, the ping-pong. I just didn't like what they were showing after the, within the ping-pong. Well, like, you could have made that work if you had at least decent stuff going on. I get it, you're in a building, there's only so much you can do, but I'm sorry, if this is edited and you're ping-ponging, make some crazy cool spots that wrestlers can do in a building. Well, look, here's the problem with ping-ponging is when you ping-pong back and forth, but uh, when you go back to the men, it seems like nothing's happened. It makes you feel like that when the cameras weren't on them, they all just kind of stood around and said, okay, let's walk to the next place, right? Instead of a seamless fight between them, you know what I mean? And so, well, like, no, the, but they did do that with the, with, for instance, the stairs. When the woman, all the women went towards to go to the stairs because Asuka took the elevator, bam, we go to the men. The men are fighting in the, the training room. And then after we see st them stop for a bit, we see the woman climbing the stairs. So we didn't technically miss anything. I get it in real time. It wouldn't make sense. But that, for but us to my, watch it. That's my point is we're watching this in real time. It's supposed to be happening concurrently in real time. So so by that storytelling, it means that when they cut over to the men fighting, the women just stood there at the bottom of the stairs waiting for the camera to be turned back on them. That's why it made no sense, right? It would have made more it sense because fighting's not going to happen much on the stairs. It would have made more sense for them to be on the stairs. They go over to the men, and when they come back, it's the women exiting the stairs on the next right. Because then that implies stuff happened in between, but it wasn't worth us watching. But okay. but what they presented us was a version of, and I'm going to use a, a reference that might be more common for the American fans. It was like uh, uh, Zach Morris saying, time out. And then he gets to go do his stuff. And then, okay, time back in. And then everything else starts up again. Um, which Zach made no sense. Zach Morris is trash. He is Sorry. trash. So... Um, <laughs> But anyway, by the way, why is that an American thing? You're saying Zach Morris, as in from Saved by the Bell? Yes. I just okay, wasn't you know sure. Saved by the Bell was a very popular show in Canada I, too, right? I do not know that. I know it was very popular in America, but I don't know anything about what's popular in Canada. It was just popular in Canada in 2004. Oh, calm down. Get out of here. <laughs> Go I on. Just, I just know you say A a lot and you drink beer. <laughs> Or maybe that's just from Strange Brew. I don't know. Most of my knowledge from about Canada comes from Kids in the Hall and Strange Brew. So, squish, uh, squeeze, squeeze, squish, 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 squish. Uh, <laughs> anyways, but so, but when the men are fighting in the uh, workout room, there are a couple good moments that I, I do like. Um, and one that's kind of confusing. And one of the moments that I did like was when um, AJ Styles gets knocked down uh, by Otis uh, underneath one of the big uh, uh, barbell machines, right? Uh, I think it's the squat machine, um, squat setup. It's not really a machine. And Otis goes around and he picks up this big barbell and he drops it down onto, well, lowers it down doesn't drop it but lowers it down onto aj styles chest uh and then aj is stuck underneath it which i thought hey that's a great way to uh use this environment and all this stuff um but aj got out 
but AJ got out some it, somehow they didn't show how he got out just later there he is just walking along and now he's angry at um uh, Ray, Ray because Ray didn't help him, but he's not apparently angry at Otis for doing it to him in the first place. But that's beside the point. One of the ones that confused me a bit, and I and maybe they're telling a story with it that uh, just didn't play out yet. But there was a point uh, Corbin tried to throw a uh, a weight uh, like a a plate uh, at I think it was Alistair Black. Uh, in the weight room, and Alistair Black uh, moved out of the way, and the plate. Ray. Sh- it was Ray. Was it Ray? Ray. Ray moved out of the way, and the the weight broke the glass on the wall, shattered this glass, and then uh, uh, Corbin just kind of stood there. Yeah, you get that? Like, you didn't get that? It's the whole thing with seven years bad luck. If you break a mirror, seven years bad luck. So that basically was implying that he wasn't going to win the Money in the Bank. At least that's how that that might be. Maybe that's how they were were playing it off. To me, it it the, the look didn't look like oh crap. Now I've now I've doomed myself. The look looked more like I don't know. I didn't know glass shattered like that. I don't know what's See, going got, on. Vince is gonna be so pissed. Po- possibly that could have been a throwback to um, uh, Champa and. Gargano's match when Champa got in trouble for throwing a weight at somebody and breaking the glass in the in the training room. Yeah, and and that's the if they were telling that storyline uh, for if they're telling either of those storylines, they needed to tell it better. Um, yeah. Because he didn't look he didn't look panicked like he would if he thought that that was an omen that he was doomed. He didn't look scared enough, or at least the commentators didn't say, "Oh, Vince is going to be pissed about that." Right. Um, I more specifically, sucked for this money in the bank, though. Like they really didn't say much. No, they didn't. I don't think they. I really don't think they could say much. I mean, it was a little bit too much chaos for them to really call play by play. But they could have said, "Oh, that's gonna that's gonna come out of his salary or something." Uh, right. But they didn't uh, say least... anything at all on that. Um, and the biggest thing, if that's the storyline I wanted, they're wanting to tell. I just want to say. What did you expect? You put 12 people in a melee for money uh, in your thing. You didn't expect chaos and stuff to get broken, right? Well, even Stephanie says that later on. That argument comes up later, yes. Yeah, I I didn't enjoy Stephanie dogging on Naya. She's drooling all over the floor. It was like, ah, don't. I I didn't enjoy Stephanie being there at all. As soon as I heard her voice, I rolled my eyes and said, no. Um, I was jacked. I was like, Dana Brooke just won. But go on. That's later. That's a little bit later. I... Yeah, like I said, there were some cameos, right? So, like, the first major cameo was they were on, I think, the second floor. Um, Would have made made a little bit more sense if they would have had, I don't know, at the very least in the bottom corner, you know, what floor they're on, how many to go or whatever. I don't know. But they're on the second floor, and uh, everyone's gone on, and Rey Mysterio is trying to find his way to the elevator or whatever, the stairs. And uh, he walks into the men's restroom and uh, coming out of one of the stalls is Brother Love in full Brother Love get up, pulling his pants up and zipping them up. And I thought that was funny. Right. I enjoyed that one. It was entertaining. Um, It was using someone who's there because, of course, 
Brother Love is Bruce Pritchard, who's uh, in charge of SmackDown Creative right now. So, you know, it's not like they had to fly someone in to do it. He's there, right? Um, There's another cameo, Paul Heyman sitting at a ginormous table in the middle of a room. It didn't look like a, a cafeteria room. No, in fact, fact Otis went into a cafeteria. They had a cafeteria room in the very next segment. Um, <laughs> so this was just a room that they set up a giant table with a whole lot of food on it. Um, and Paul Heyman decides to sit at the table, despite the fact that that being there were no other chairs at the table. It wasn't like a Thanksgiving table with a bunch of chairs set up. It was his chair, and that's it. So it are always- they are they implying that he was planning on eating? that entire catering menu that was brought there. <laughs> um, I, anyway. see, though, I think that's like a waiting area technically because the kitchen was the next scene or whatever have you, but I think that's like maybe the catering waiting area where people wait to go into like one of the conference rooms or something. But it was weird how he was sitting behind it and just kind of like had the food to himself. That didn't make any sense. There was another cameo before that, though. Um, oh, crap. What was right after Dude Love that I hated? Or not Dude Love, uh, Brother Love that I hated. Um, well, there was Doink at one point. I'm not even sure which you know, which order they all came in. really silly. I don't even think, like, that Doink uh, yeah. mask, because that was yeah, a mask that wasn't even the makeup, was really yeah. bad. Yeah, well, it, yeah. It very obviously wasn't actually Doink, as far as I could tell. Um, maybe it was, and Doink just looks different now than, than he used to, but... That was, it like, didn't... 30 years ago. Oh, the, he, Doink still wrestled. Oh, okay. Matt, yeah, uh, what's his last name, Matt? Uh, didn't really matter. Yeah, I don't even remember. He's still out there. <laughs> I mean, the, it, keep in mind, there have been more than one people who played Doink. Played Doink. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but anyways, I don't think that looked like, in my mind, I it didn't recognize him as one of the actual doinks. It just, to me, seemed like it was probably someone who said, hey, put on the doink, you know, mask and or doink makeup and ha- hair or whatever and pretend to be doink hiding behind a chair. Um, they had John Laurinaitis, but, but that was after. I know that one because that one was in the uh, cafeteria. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, there was and, one more, and I'm trying to remember uh, who it was. Paul Heyman, Stephanie, Vince McMahon. Those are the only ones that I have on my notes. So um, uh, if you remember. What was the whole joke between the Laurinaitis thing, though? Like, I didn't really necessarily get that. Is there any significance with the pie that I re- don't remember him doing or something? I gotta be honest, if there is, I didn't remember it either, so I'm, you know, if if you're listening to this and you know uh, what the joke was and you're thinking we're idiots for not knowing it, hit us up on Twitter and make fun of us, because... Ooh, while you're doing it, like, share, subscribe. Yes, <laughs> hashtag LawnOrderWBU. Um, anyways, so, so getting to Paul Heyman, sitting there with a whole bunch of food in front of him, almost all, I think it might even have been all of the people, uh, involved show up. Oh, this, this is actually, this, the Paul Heyman thing does take place after the women, 
conference room segment, I believe. Yeah. Because, yes. Uh, so, so we'll get back to the Paul Heyman. This is, this is about as scattershot as the actual event. Yeah, so, we're trying to be, make it as realistic as possible for you guys. Um, so there's a segment where uh, the women all of a sudden kind of all congregate together in this conference room, and they're all beating each other up, and Naya takes out uh, Carmella, I think, and then... Um, uh, Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke is in there, um, and uh, uh, Shayna takes someone out, and then uh, someone takes Shayna out. Anyways, long story short, Dana Brooke gets up on the table, and above the table is a briefcase filled with money hanging, and she takes it down and uh, thinks she's won the money in the bank, and she's celebrating and, and crying almost at how happy she is. And uh, then Stephanie McMahon's voice, this is where Stephanie McMahon showed up. Stephanie McMahon says, what are you doing? This is the Money in the Bank conference room, right? This is where we have meetings, right? The actual Money in the Bank is on the roof, right? Now clean this up. And then she was when she made the joke about uh, Nia Jax drooling all over the place, being gross and all of this stuff. And that's when Carmella hits Dana Brooke over the head with a Carmella uh, picture. Winning the money in the bank. Winning the money in the bank. Picture. Breaks that over her head. She's trapped now in the frame. Anyways. And then Carmella mo- moonwalks out of the room. And then, and that's why this was weird. Because I have time to do that when I'm trying to race to a briefcase. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. But then all of a sudden, they all seem to meet up in the food area with Paul Heyman. Um, and and here's Nia Jax back up and around. And here's uh, 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 Shayna Baszler up and around. And, uh, you know, all of these people who just got taken out in the other room are suddenly back in it. Um, and they all meet up in this room. And then Otis decides it's time for a food fight. And Dana shows up with the frame still around her body. Yeah. And Dana shows up with the frame and, and tackles Paul Heyman out with that. And then there's a food fight. Um, which makes no sense. Like, if, if you were Daniel Bryan at this point in in real kayfabe here, wouldn't you use this food fight as an excuse to slip out and try to run upstairs? Yeah. I wouldn't participate in the food fight. The food fight doesn't get you any advantage in the end. And the food fight very likely is not going to take anyone out of the thing. It's pointless. It almost took Ray out because Shana put him in the... Uh in the cure for clutch yeah and and i did like that part i like that part a lot there and i can't remember if we even saw Shayna baszler after Um, maybe in some of the stairwell chases i don't remember if we did um if we did it was very very little after um carmella she was taken out by a woman's right on the stairwell chase yeah that's right that's right uh carmella lasted a little bit longer but also got taken out um not too long after this um otis then goes into the next room where this is Hold now on, you the forgot pastor. the belly squash right after the cure food clutch so <laughs> so we're, yep. we had we had to emphasize that there were two very um there were two people who would be considered obese in this match and of course the best time to emphasize this is during the food fight part um with a little bit of fat there there was some pretty heavy fat shaming in this portion um and, and they won the entire match <laughs> well yeah because they did it to naya earlier 
that's <laughs> yeah absolutely so um the, the and, and there was they actually have the two face well. off yeah they have them face off at the end of the food fight like everybody else was smart enough to run off but well food so stay and then we do it again with otis in what you're about to mention so otis goes into the actual cafeteria part and there's more food there including pies and so otis who keep in mind the only reason he's at this building is to participate in a match to win a shot at the uh world championship uh gets distracted by pie um which really shows how smart otis is storyline wise maybe it was a rose shaped pie Oh yeah. Well, it, it was the cream, you know. It had cream on top, and, and there was berries inside, so you know, might have reminded him of Mandy Rose. Anyways, and this is where John Laurinaitis shows up, right, uh, riding in on a little scooter. Um, you know, those scooters that you see the fat people at Walmart riding. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty spot on. Which, which I got to be honest, I. I don't know if there's a reason that John Laurinaitis was on that. Like, is that a storyline thing that you know, part of the supposed to, either. you know, that I don't just don't know. But then he he also makes wearing a white suit. suit. Yeah, yeah. His uh, dry cleaner is gonna be pissed uh, with having to clean the berry sauce out of that because he takes a pie to the face from Otis, which I don't know why Otis would do that, but whatever, I guess. Well, and the Laurinaitis storyline is so long ago like it's almost 10 years ago and otis is what maybe 28 mm-hmm. maybe so you'd be like oh yeah i remember you you got in that fight with that one guy who's on uh who's on backstage okay yeah and then just walk off and eat his pie and that would have probably been more effective mm-hmm. but anyway then it moves on there's more stairwells um there's more shenanigans uh uh Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles at one point uh, in their fight barrel into Vince McMahon's office. Which was bound to happen. Which was bound to happen. They knock a couple chairs out of place and then Vince McMahon turns around and uh, yells at them and they leave. But this is why I'm I'm fixing the chairs. But not before fixing the chairs. But here's where the Stephanie one and the Vince McMahon one um, go back to that same argument I had with the Baron Corbin. I said, you brought 12 people into this building with a fight to the top. And you did not expect them to break some shit. Um, and you did not expect them to accidentally come into some offices, right? Come on, man. Especially when some of the, some of the doors were closed. Like, yeah. They were... <laughs> yeah, don't want them in your office, Vince. I think you've already passed up the uh, Undertaker part, too. Oh, yeah, there, there was the... Yeah. There was uh, the tease at one point. This was before the food fight. Uh, AJ Styles is looking through the rooms, trying to find Rey Mysterio. And uh, he he opens up one door, and there it's their Undertaker room. Apparently, they've got a room at the, the thing that's just got, like, coffins and Undertaker theme <laughs> music and stuff playing on it. Um, and it freaks AJ Styles out, and he kind of freezes and doesn't know what to do. And then he's he's trying to close the door, and he's just going to leave it and go on. And Aleister Black comes around and just Fs him into the room and shuts the door. Um, so this is twice that AJ got trapped. Yeah, twice. <laughs> and... and, and 
And both times he just appears later randomly without showing how he got out, you know? Yeah. Um, and that, and that's the deal. Like, like if they'd have just shot a little 10-second scene earlier on showing him finally weaseling out from under the barbell, my problem with it is gone, right? Yeah. It's just the fact that they just, like, suddenly now he's on the second floor looking for Ray. How did he get out of that? Suddenly he's at the food fight area. How did he get out of the Undertaker room? Is he now emotionally scarred by it? Did the Undertaker rescue him? Did he have to dig his way out? Could have done. Could have done AJ's role at the very end Mm -hmm. because he wasn't thrown off the top. So that that would have worked. So yeah, like you could have actually had AJ stuck in that room, just sitting there like a child, like I'm terrified, uh," and gone back to that a couple times. (laughs) You you could even turn that into a storyline over the next couple weeks on Raw, where where's AJ Styles and here's video from from. From our yeah. uh, uh, home office of him still in the room. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could have kind of worked, though, technically. And then, but I mean, do you really want to do an AJ Styles Taker 2? I guess I wouldn't mind seeing that, but it's just, I don't know what. I feel like. You don't even have to do a part two. You can just do him being afraid of Taker for <laughs> several months. <laughs> Then you can do him in therapy, where he's talking to a therapist about about how scarred he is from, from this, and then he works his way through it, and he gets back. I mean, keep in mind, this is AJ Styles we're talking about. This guy turned a botch where he tried to do one of those springboard um, phenomenal forearms. This was before his WWE time. But uh, he tried to do one of those in a match, and one of his feet slipped, and he fell. And he turned that into a two-month-long storyline where he was scared to do the phenomenal forearm because because every time he tried to do it, he would slip again. Um, and then finally he does it, and he hits it, and, and everything's good again, and then he's back up to normal. He can tell this sort of storyline, just move it yeah. to his fear of the undertaker you know you can have matches where he's he's got the match well in hand and then uh he turns it out in the crowd you just have a plant hold up an undertaker sign or something like that and he looks over and he sees that and he freezes and that gives the other person a a chance to win i mean there's storyline you can tell from it so he's afraid of pyro because his friends died in the pyro Mm -hmm. yeah but uh but finally, we get to the roof, the final stretch of this uh, whole match here, um, where they finally make it to the roof. And at this point, they at least did this um, one at a time for the most part. Not yeah. quite entirely. The, uh, the women get there first, and but only three of the women make it to the top. So uh, Dana Brooke, we I don't think we ever... Oh, no, there was a scene where uh, they run through an area where someone was mopping, and Dana Brooke ends up slipping on the mop mopped floor and legitimately looking like she smacked her head on the floor. So, um, so she gets taken out. Uh, like you said, Shayna Baszler gets a, gets a woman's right. Um, I don't think that should have taken her out, but that's fine. I don't remember what... Carmella took her out, but she doesn't make it to the roof, right? Only Lacey Evans, Nia Jax, and Asuka make it to the roof. So the final fight in the ring, it's Asuka, Lacey Evans, and Nia Jax. Um, uh, Lacey Evans ends up taking Nia Jax out with the woman's right. Um, I can't remember what exactly happened to Lacey Evans. Um, Asuka... With a ladder, yep, okay. 
Oscar, Oscar is uh, climbing to the top and is almost to the top of the ladder when King Corbin shows up, climbing up the ladder from the other side, gets to the top. They're both reaching up for their respective money in the bank uh, briefcases. For some reason or other, Oscar decides, no, F this guy, and kicks Baron Corbin well, off. No, because Corbin actually tries to stop her from getting it. Like, why? He, he was saying, no, 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 knocking her ears away from her. Like, but, but anyway, so she Fs him off the ladder and she gets the money in the bank uh, briefcase down. So Asuka is the winner. And frankly, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Of, of the women's entries, like this would have been a perfect chance to try to, to bring Dana Brooke up to the main event. Oh yeah. I am pissed about that though. Um, <laughs> I I'm glad Nia Jax didn't win. Um, I I thought Shayna Baszler. This would have been a great opportunity to give Shayna Baszler another victory for another shot at um, Becky. You know, because I still don't think they should have had her lose to Becky. But that's beside the point. Um, but I'm I'm not displeased with Oscar winning. Oscar deserves a, a run at the main event. And in fairness, uh, they still have the storyline that Oscar uh, was. Uh, Becky Lynch's weak point for a long time. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't have a problem with it. Then uh, the rest of the men show up and all of a sudden, Asuka is nowhere to be found. Uh, she was well, on the top you get of the out of there? Well, yeah, but it, like she disappeared. You didn't see her leaving. You didn't see her. She was True. on the top of the ladder. They look over Pretty here. The rest thinking. of the people show up. They look back to the ring. She's fucked off. <laughs> Who knows where? Um, which obviously was really more just a, uh, a camera cut. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. they filmed, they stopped. Now it's time to film the men showing up up here. We don't need to have Oscar come back up so that we can film her climbing down a ladder. Let's just move on. But it was just, it was kind of jarring to me because it was, it was so quick. You know, she's at the top. She's the winner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, who's this over here? Now she's gone. <laughs> like Undertaker gone. They could have just done that. Lights go out. Lights come back. She's gone. Um, okay. Anyway, so the rest of the men show up, right? Uh, Corbin is finally recovering from being knocked off the ladder by Asuka. Um, it's Rey Mysterio, Aleister Black, uh, Corbin. Uh, they're fighting back and forth. Uh, Corbin then legitimately murders Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, I, I think you're missing the, the final fat shape. Oh, yeah. When Otis gets up, he tries to climb the ladder and the bottom rung breaks on him because he's so fat the ladder can't hold. Oh, but you guys did watch SmackDown, right? They did that on SmackDown. Um, yeah, I get it. So why Smackdown don't you buy better ladders? Yeah, here's the deal. Yeah, it's not like they didn't know he was going to be in the match, right? Oh, who's the contestants in this match? Oh, Otis is here. Let's make sure we get ladders that can hold him. No, uh, and brought his own ladder. Yeah, or bring his own ladder. Um, on top of it, and here's here's where I'm going to go off on a, a tangent here. Uh, no, I did not watch SmackDown because Sling TV and Fox decided uh, to have an argument and take it off my lineup all of a sudden this week. So I suddenly can't watch Fox. So oh, now I, I've got to find... So throw a jab at me, like... Hardcore, but yes, you're right. Sling uh, definitely messed up there. That's messed up. Yeah, and and, and it's he not like... why? 
No, I can't find any reason why. I had it last week. All of a sudden this week, I go to turn it on and it says, nope, that's not part of your package anymore. I can't find any information about it. I didn't change my package. Something was sent it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have no reason to change my package. It's <laughs> adequate enough. My package is perfectly adequate. <laughs> she says it's a good size. We, we were... That's we a mall rat's reference. We've, yeah, we've, we've, yes. we've mentioned mall rats once when she says it's a good size. Anyway, um, moving on. So yeah, fat shaming <laughs> Otis. Um, and then murder. Two counts of murder, right? This was on camera. I am charging Corbin with two counts of murder because he throws two different people off the roof of a building. Of a six-story building. Yes, a six-story <laughs> building. I mean, here's the deal. You throw someone off a two-story building, you're still probably murdering them. But a six-story you, building, you're definitely murdering. You threw a guy off of a catwalk platform, and we charged you with attempted murder. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. This is murder. So, Flat-out murder, right? This and, is, and they'll show up next week. By the way, the sound effect sounded really weird for it too. <laughs> like, I was like, like well, "Wow!" Out an airbag on the other side of the, the stuff. It was just weird, and then the commentator's not saying anything really about it. Um, and then I was like, "Okay, guys, like, say something. Like, what do you mean?" <laughs> so, so uh, long story on this. Outside of of the actual show. We pretty much knew someone was getting thrown off the top of it. And we right. knew it thanks to uh, Becky Lynch uh, in an interview uh, talking about how Vince McMahon showed people how to fall off the building or get thrown off the building. Um, and so we knew someone was going to be thrown off, right? right? I frankly kind of expected AJ Styles to get thrown off, uh, but it wasn't him. He was locked in a room somewhere i'm assuming i don't know <laughs> didn't show up at the end who knows what happened yes he um, was there at the end oh yeah he was anyway he was there at the uh, end. yeah but but so uh yeah because daniel played... bryan was the one who was out down on the on yeah. the ground anyway but my point is they 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 had this thing we knew someone was gonna get thrown off and then they filmed it so poorly that like i literally stopped and asked myself was was that Rey Mysterio just getting thrown off the building? Because I couldn't 100% tell if that was being thrown off the building. Like, I expected there to be a camera cut to show a body Somebody... falling off the top of the building. Yeah, right? that's what um, I was thinking was going to happen. And I think that's why they didn't, though, because they still have to be PG and they didn't really mention anything about it because if... They would have shown someone being thrown off the building. I think Fox would have had like a crazy fit, and like They're it would have been a whole. Fox. Cr- They're on the network. No, yeah. but Fox would have been pissed with the whole ordeal. I don't know. I figured someone would be mad, and it's a whole PR thing. I just feel like it's a PR thing. No, nah, I doubt it. Oh, I doubt it yeah, because they they've been cussing on TV recently. Uh, I mean, Drew McIntyre at the contract signing said to Seth Rollins, you're full of shit. Um, so, you know, I don't Fair, think I'm worried about It's people. not the same as being thrown out of a rooftop. You know, cussing is one thing, but being thrown off and potentially dead, it's kind of a different we're, scenario. We're talking about American FCC here. Yeah, and, well, no, and more I, specifically, and, we're talking about Fox 
right? Fox TV shows people dying on a regular basis, right? CBS shows, you know, we have CSI and Law and Order um, on our TV down here. Law and Order talks about sex crimes on a regular basis in primetime TV. Right, people getting oh, that murdered. That sounds really familiar. Law and Order. Yeah, that's. They should really make a whole TV show about that. Um, <laughs> I, we won't even charge them royalty. <laughs> but uh, but so, so that's the. I have I have no doubt. In fact, quite frankly, I think Fox would probably be happier if they were edgy because uh, their ratings have been falling consistently. Um, so doing something to try to bring it back. Um, is uh, all about it but but they didn't show anything i'm even if they don't show someone falling all the way down right uh mm. heck you put a put a um window washing uh platform out there uh, two stories down from them and you show them falling down onto the platform but now they're stuck on the platform that's fine right Right. But they didn't. They just showed him being thrown over a railing, and then you never saw him again. Which uh. could have easily been a studio spot. Mm-hmm. Yep. But so. but that being said, in storyline as of right now, uh, Baron Corbin is being charged with two counts of murder. 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 We are throwing the book at you, King Corbin. And I don't care if you're a king, we're charging you, because we're not a monarchy over here. You don't have diplomatic immunity. Yeah. 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 Uh, apparently only apparently only Trump does. No. And we will move on to the finish of this match, which which followed. So you have AJ Styles climbing up one side of the ladder, Corbin climbing up the other side of the ladder, Otis down on the ground because Otis is too fat to climb a ladder. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just love the way you said that. I'm sorry. Uh, Corbin and Styles both get to the top and they're fighting over the briefcase. They've unhooked it, but they they both have their hands on it. They're fighting over it. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Elias shows up and El Cabong's Corbin with the guitar on the uh, ladder. So Corbin falls down. So AJ Styles now has the briefcase. But then I'm going to give AJ Styles credit on this because it was, it was really well done how well he did it. But the sudden getting the briefcase caused him to lose handle on it and he fumbles it and then he drops it straight into Otis's hands down on the ground. And so the ruling is because AJ Styles never had control of the, even though he was one of the people who took it off the top uh, and was holding it by himself for a brief moment, he never had control of it and Otis caught it and had control of it. Otis is the winner of the men's Money in the Bank briefcase. So... But no, but hold on, hold on, hold on. That's not true, though, because him and Corbin held it on at the same time, and then when Corbin got pushed off or whatever, got uh, hit by it with Elias, essentially the rumble when uh, the rumble when uh, Corbin let it go made it fall out of AJ Styles' hands. That, so that's what I was saying. Correct. Yeah, he that, never had. He never, he never had, had control. control. That's this what I'm saying. This is like an NFL type thing. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Is he never had full control? I'm not arguing that. I'm just I'm clarifying so people know he even though he was the one one of the people who took it down and he briefly had it in his hands. 
Because he never had control, Otis being the one who caught it was the one who technically won Money in the Bank. And so he's announced as the winner and uh, I guess some people celebrate. Um, <laughs> I don't mind it. I don't know Are where they go storyline with it, but yeah, I mean, there's no no decent storyline to tell other than breaking up him and Tucker. Which I is, know uh, it's, but I'm. It's also a year down the road too. There's so much they can still do with that. You know, well, we don't know if they continue to hold it for a year. Uh, very few of the last Money in the Bank winners have held it for that long. Um, you know, I mean, we had uh, Cashin's same night we've talked about. Uh, so, you know, well, it's... The last it's, winner, Brock, cashed it in at the next pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. They've, they've cashed it in at the next pay-per-view. They've cast it in the same night. Um, they've cashed it in sometimes within the... Uh, the, the next couple pay-per-views, you know, it's been kind of rare recently uh, for for the person who won it to actually hold it on free. Uh, and that's that's actually part of where the... We, we might be getting your cash-in storyline, though, Smarks. It's very possible we get Tucker or uh, Otis not smart enough to cash in in the time frame that he's allowed to cash in. So, uh, so in the like history of Money in the Bank, in the history of Money in the Bank, right? Of course, Edge being the first one, he held on to it until the following January, right? The second Money in the Bank winner cashed it in on June 11th. Rob Van Dam. So, you know, had it a little over a month, right? Uh, Edge then won at the next one. And he held on to it uh, for. I think it was Survivor Series. Um, but that wasn't that wasn't right after WrestleMania. That was Midsummer, I think. I think that was the July pay per view that year. But then CM Punk cashed in on June 30th, so a month and a half later. Uh, CM Punk the next time cashed in on June 7th, a month later. Jack Swagger held on to it for most of a year, not cashing in until March 30th. Uh, Kane cashed in in July, so only had it for two months or so. Miz held on to it till November, so that was better part of a year. Uh, Alberto Del Rio, uh, the criminal, held on to it for <laughs> till August. Uh, Daniel Bryan held on to it till December. Uh, John Cena cashed in in July, so two months. Dolph Ziggler held it. Dolph Ziggler probably held on to it for almost a full year because it was April 8th when he cashed it. So. Well, and Seth cashed in at WrestleMania, but again, I think that was a different time of year when they did Money in the Bank. Mm-hmm. When Seth uh, did ran- it, so. But yeah, so, I mean, go- going back to, just let's even just talk about the recent ones. Uh, Brock Lesnar cast in July 14th, so two months later. Oh, it was uh, two months, okay. Yep. Um, it might have technically been one pay-per-view. Uh, I can't remember exactly how the pay-per-views stacked up that. Braun Strowman the year before uh, cashed in in September, so he had it for like six months um, and then failed to cash in. Like, uh, cashed in and wasn't successful. Uh, women, yeah. of course, we haven't had enough to have a real, you know... Long storyline there. Long storyline, but Bailey cashed in. Right? Same night. Alexa Bliss cashed in. Same night. The same night. Carmella. Held it forever. Yeah, held it almost a year. That, she was the only one who held it of the women who held it for any real extended time. Um, 
And yes, the storyline that I think they should do, and Otis, as good of a choice as any to do it, is for someone to hold on to it for an entire year <coughs> and then and then be informed at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view that they missed their chance to cash it in, and now it's got to be hung up for the next winner. We um, need the briefcase there, guy. Yeah, we, we, we need it, man. What do you mean? I won this. I get to cash it in sometime. You, you lost your chance, man. We got to put it up on the... You see that hook up there? We got to put it up there now for the next winner. What? Um, yeah, Otis is I mean, as good a person as they're going to get for it. Uh, now, what I anticipate, if I'm going to speculate on storyline, I'm going to anticipate that uh, it's going to play into the Dolph Ziggler storyline, that Dolph's going to try to convince him to put the briefcase on the line in some crazy match that Dolph will probably win for Dolph to try to win the money in the bank. A la, a la Mr. Kennedy. Yeah. Um, and and whether he wins it or not is another argument. Um, I could see him trying to stack the deck in his favor and Otis getting a surprise victory even in that case. But but that's well, beside the I also see Otis using it to cash in for a different title than mm-hmm. would normally be used. Like, no, I care about your Taki or giving it to Mandy so that Mandy can challenge for a women's title. I could see any of those. Or, or we're going to challenge for the Smack Team deck. Smackdown tag titles. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, it's beside the point. Um, overall, this was an, a very up and down paper. There were some good moments. There were some bad moments. There were some questionable moments. There were some good moments in that match. There were just uh, yeah. that were like, what in the bloody hell? Why is Paul Heyman sitting at a plate at a table full of food? When he knows there's going to be a match because he's the general manager of one of the shows. Mm -hmm. And even if you take that out, you say storyline, he's not right. He's still like in the know. He knows there's a money in the bank match going on. Like that's not a surprise. They didn't suddenly the night of that say, oh, by the way, they're going to do this. They've been talking about this corporate climb the corporate ladder money in the bank ladder match for weeks right so he knows and that's the same thing with the stephanie mcmahon and the vince mcmahon thing right the they both acted surprised these people dared uh make a mess in one of their rooms and said you're the people who booked this match right? <laughs> now one thing that came out of this i would love to see them do this again only the briefcase is hidden in a, in a room in the in within the building because what they did with dana so it's an egg hunt yeah, really. I mean, Jesus Christ. I think it'd be great because what they did with Dana Brooke there was really kind of cool. I was like, hell yeah, that's how you do that. Because then they got to find it. Yeah, it's not just about climbing, it's about searching rooms. I get that it. Could've, that could have given you some time, too. But I think, I think, uh, JLB and I kind of talked about this on the last one, how the worry was that by doing them together that they was just going to cluster at it all up. And I feel like it, we're, we're vindictive on that. That is vindicated. Oh, vindicated no, but, look, uh, but look, and at the same time, I, I get it. And I knew it was going to be a mess up. And it was. I just finally also, like, I didn't mind the switcheroo that they were doing, the ping-ponging, like you did, necessarily. The problem is, they made it way too freaking comical. I didn't mind the comical moments at some point, but they just made it way too comical. Should have made it maybe a bit more serious, kind of like a Boneyard match serious type of style. Had more little spots, decent spots that you could have done with all this office equipment and craziness. 
Um, you know what I mean? Sure, it's the actual office building, but I'm sure you have enough props that you can uh, put in a few rooms that you can completely demolish, and that would have, you know, made it a bit more serious. I felt like this was planned on that day, and well, you say it. that, except all the reports say they they filmed it over the course of multiple days, uh, like three or four days, uh, which, which is means probably part of the reason it's jumbly. Which means there's probably a lot on the cutting room floor, but but my thing is it's it's not the fact that they ping pong back and forth. It's the fact that it seems like the other side just pressed pause when they weren't on screen. That bugs me, right? Um, but even more than that, you know, it's like why did the men and the women separate in the first place, right? Uh, there were there was no logical reason for them going different routes this necessarily. There there was no why for instance they did a close up on the blue stairs no when daniel no. bryan is fighting you know what i'm talking about though yeah i, I do yeah and i thought that same thing oh we're gonna see something more later on where it says red stairs that's yeah i was just like okay but like why was this so significant well no it wasn't both smackdown people that won I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Okay. I, uh, the other thing, I deeply enjoyed Vince McMahon using the hand sanitizer. Yeah, that was that was fun. But that's deeply the deal. Like, enjoyed that. Like, uh, I'm I'm fine with the comedy bits. You know, overall, the the food fight was was maybe a step too far for me in my mind. Like, it made no sense uh, from a, a standpoint of this match why any of them would take time out of their goal yeah. to get upstairs to have a food fight especially one of the some of the more serious ones like daniel bryan and alistair black right like i yeah. guess it made sense to have tucker scream food fight yeah. or not Tucker. O- otis. otis yeah otis screaming food fight i guess i get it i don't but get like the stranglehold on the sandwich and shaking it to death like i'm so excited that i have a sandwich in my hand that i'm gonna shake it <laughs> like, because what? he was thinking of food fight and that's why he was like, oh, there's a sandwich, food fight, you know? And then he just went crazy. Like he was thinking of that thought. Like that's how I, that's how I imagined it. He was thinking of that thought and he's like, oh my God, sandwich, food, food fight. Like it brought him to like him being a kid again, which still wouldn't have made any freaking sense because like, okay. But I mean, it, like, if they had wanted to do food fight, they did it with Otis and it made sense in that regard because the well, only person yeah. you can pull that off with is Otis but it didn't make sense why he's fat. it didn't make sense why most of the other people like Daniel Bryan put on a smile and was throwing food around right that makes no sense from his character standpoint especially now that he's paired with uh, Drew Gulak in the storyline because Drew Gulak's character is effectively a modern day Lance Storm you know yeah can I be serious for a minute here? Um, and so it made no sense for Daniel Bryan to, like, in reality, Daniel Bryan's character should have been like, I'm out of here. You guys can have the food fight. I'm going to find the stairs, right? Yeah. yeah. But but like I, I was saying before, it didn't make sense to me that, that they split up men versus women in every segment, right? Like, I get it. You, you're not having men fight women in this, but there's no reason that when they were fighting in the the workout room that you you didn't have uh aj styles fighting with otis um corbin fighting with Rey mysterio and oh here's carmella fighting with dana brooke right they could have had them 
in the same area fighting so that it, it didn't feel like now we're going to follow the men. Now we're going to follow the women. Now we're going to go back to the men again. Now we're going to go back to the women again. You mix it up a bit. That's the whole point of having it concurrently. Right. Well, and they brought them together at one point. Yeah, they reseparated them at the end. Mm -hmm. And I thought, if you're going to do that, they actually had the window with Oscar there. I think if Oscar just turns around, gets over the rails, gets in an elevator, the other women all get in the other elevator. You can have the women basically just go because they they did paint the picture. The women were smart enough to go upstairs faster. So you can just paint that same picture. We're just going to go upstairs as fast as we can. Um, and then all of a sudden they're having a real money in the bank ladder match up top while while we occasionally cut to the men in the building and that's still concurrent but it's not you know mm -hmm. i just think that they wanted that that oscar versus baron corbin section so badly that was the reason they did this and, and it was just like why that's dumb yeah because they the only interactions they had between men and women were baszler and ray <laughs> <clears throat> right, mm -hmm. and which was during the food fight. So they had during the food fight. Well, and Naya and uh, Otis. Otis, yeah. During the food fight. During the, during the, food during fight. the So they had. You could you could probably start it that way. Um, I don't know. There's just if you if you if you didn't have to have the food fight, you didn't have to have them concurrent. That was the uh, that and the Oscar versus Baron Corbin part. Those are the only two spots where where you had the, those interactions. At the same time, I kind of enjoyed the elevator part when the women were waiting for Oscar to come out, and then you see the men come out, and then the women were kind of like, "Oh, what's going on?" And then we see Oscar kind of be scared because she sees all the mishaps. Um, I didn't necessarily mind that. They just didn't do anything else extra with it. I did like the yes, yes, yes thing, by the way. Oh, <laughs> when... yeah, Otis saying yes. <laughs> I like that too. That was pretty funny. <laughs> and that's the deal. Is like I didn't, I didn't have a problem with the humor part. In fact, I'm, I'm a big proponent that humor has a place in professional wrestling. Um, and so I didn't mind that. It's, it just, this seems so scattershot. It didn't seem like the all the good things that came out of the cinematic matches at WrestleMania were all based on foresight and thought and planning it through and having a very clear vision of what you wanted it to be. Right. And this came off as, let's throw a bunch of crap at the wall and see what sticks. And you know what's messed up? I'm sure Vince- Mainly food. Yes, mostly food at the wall. But I'm Good sure Vince loved it. I'm sure he did. I uh, am sure he is going to be very angry when he turns on Twitter tomorrow and sees everyone ripping this. No, nope, uh, no, nope, because Twitter is loving the hand sanitizer Vince scene. The hand so sanitizer like, part did my job. Fun, but but the rest of it, it's getting roasted. It's They're even gonna... getting roasted. Like I don't have a problem with Otis winning. I don't I don't see the storyline, but whatever, you know? But uh but Twitter is basically like fucking Otis, are you kidding me? Um Well, I kinda said that myself, so I suppose, yeah. Well, well who the... would you guys have found the one? If you had to choose, who would of you have men. had one that of those well, yeah. Uh, of those people, this would have been a good point to to AJ elevate. You know, I could I could have seen those. Um to me, AJ is already main event, so he doesn't need the money in the bank to be a main event contender. Right. Um Baron same with Daniel Bryan. Yeah, same with Daniel Bryan. Same with 
I mean, Baron Corbin won it and failed to cash in. To me, the, yeah, the I think Alistair Black is the is the Alistair Black is the one that really, yeah. in, in my mind, should have won. Um, and it gives something to his character. It lends something to his his yeah, because he could easily come out and black mass somebody, and now he's the world champion. To WWE quote Brian Alvarez, uh, jumped the shark with brother love. Really? I didn't hate brother, brother love. I really didn't. I also Brian, love the rave. It was like what? Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it just also wasn't needed, though. Like, honestly, I think I've seen Brother Love in so many WWE cameos that I don't care to see him anymore either. Uh, Brian Zane says, you know what? One of the things I like most about Money in the Bank, the short runtime. Uh, <laughs> yep. That's, that's, that's probably pretty legit. Uh, anyway. I think, yeah, I mean... There's a couple matches that could have been thrown away. There's a couple matches that could have been properly elevated. We talked about this actually a little bit when uh, I talked to NXT with uh, Smarks this week. Um, you know, the, the Mia Yim, or not Mia Yim, the EO and Charlotte match that could have gone longer. What was the other one? The Ozzyli oh, and, and Chelsea Green. You know, in, in NXT, it was too many promos cutting time away from other people. Uh, tonight, it was probably some of those cameos and and not defending three of your titles well they also didn't de- didn't defend the raw tag titles did they uh no so four I, of your title that was wasn't that that wasn't an announced match i think it was a rumored match and that was your perfect time to do the viking raiders versus street profits like yeah. that you you had enough time on the card that's a match that would have been amazing um yep. And I guess they're saving it for next month, but Jesus. And and once again, I'm going to point out R-Truth versus MVP made it to the card. And Street Profits versus Viking Raiders did not. Well, not that it did just didn't even happen. We didn't yeah. have a U.S. Didn't or Intercontinental. Make it to the card. Nope. Yeah, it, it wasn't even on a pre-show. Like, we didn't have a U.S. or Intercontinental match. Oh, didn't have... Of with Andrade and Andrade and Zelina Vega, the U.S. championship, and yeah. all that. Like, what? What are you doing then? You're just making them raw stars and then not putting them on your pay-per-views? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Well, you see, if you don't have, if you don't put them on the pay per view, you don't have to pay them residuals. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Anyways, so <laughs> so the the grand score of this, I I don't know if we we started scoring the pay per views overall. Um, I I think you know if we start off as as average for every point it went up it also went back down a point at some point later, right? So I think I put this smack in the middle five out of five, uh, five out of 10, right? I was putting it at four, so. Um, I never got a 10, uh, but if we're gonna do it out of 10, um, yeah, uh, I'm saying, I don't know, the other matches were decent enough though. So yeah, I'll say five. That's my point is like, the, you know, it took a bunch of steps forward in other matches and then this final one took all those steps back to put it back down. If it's average. The bank match wasn't there. Yeah, it probably would have been like a seven. It, but uh. Overall, average. Um, but on that note, we'll start to wrap things up because uh, this 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 podcast might be longer than the actual Money in the Bank pay per view. We keep <laughs> um, so, but we'll talk really quickly again about 
the contest, right? <clears throat> we mentioned it earlier. The rules are very simple, right? Tweet out a link to this episode or the the NXT review or the, the AEW review or the FBI or whatever episode you happen to be listening. Tweet a link to it. Hashtag Raw and Order WBU in the link, in the tweet, right? And you're entered to win. That's it. That's all you got to do. Hashtag raw and order WBU when you tweet a link to one of our videos or one of our podcasts. And right? remember, you can double mm-hmm. your entries by adding by by tweeting it at one of your favorite wrestlers. Um, maybe use the one that you're gonna buy the T-shirt that you're gonna make us get you a T-shirt for. Yep, it's a really good so, one to do. And more specifically, you can double your entries by then tweeting out the next episode that you listen. So if you listen to all six episodes we put out this week and tweet out, that can be up to 12 entries this week alone, just doing it one per episode. And I'm not even going to stop you from doing more than one per episode. If you want to just totally tweet spam, do it, right? Yeah, we're talking infinite possibilities to win two t-shirts. Yes, Costs you absolutely nothing to win two t-shirts, one of our WBU shirts and one of your choice from ProWrestlingTees.com, right? So you like uh, pretty much anyone in wrestling other than uh, WWE star, you can probably find a t-shirt from them at ProWrestlingTees.com and you're up to win it for free. You can also find some from actual WWE stars. They're just not under their WWE names. Mm-hmm. That too. AEW stars, Impact Wrestling stars, uh, Ring of Honor stars, a lot of New Japan stars have them up for sale here. Independent wrestlers. Uh, the winner of the first round chose a shirt from RJ City, who's an independent wrestler that he's a big In fan Jersey. of. Jersey. Yep. yep. Uh, I love that shirt, by the way. It's a cool I almost, shirt. I, oh, I almost ordered a second one. <laughs> what uh, Raw and Order shirt did he choose? He chose the Police Academy shirt. Oh, nice. Nice. I was a little surprised because we Rocky already got my not a cop right now. Oh, wearing, so knows. wearing the not a cop. Uh, I was a little surprised he didn't go with the not a cop. Um, or w- by the time that he chose, we had the uh, the belt shirts up, which are up for sale now. Go check them out. They're the and new. You can rock your own Raw and Order WBU Championship belt shirt. Maybe he's not a Cena fan, because that's definitely a Cena cop-out. <laughs> You're a Cena cop-out. Definitely. Whatever, bro. You can't see me. <laughs> At some point, there's going to be something either making fun of uh, JLB or myself because we've said some stupid shit recently. Um, so, you know, remember, you could always make fun of me if you wanted to with ours because I think there might be one something about eating it. We'll uh, eat that for you. working on that. <laughs> we'll just eat that for you. And here's why we'll eat that for you came about. We messed up on our last contest. We'll just be honest about it. We didn't get our broadcast out fast enough to give you guys the opportunity to get all the entries in. So we're going to make this one longer. We're going to put it out there. We're going to give you lots of opportunities to win. Yes. So once again, simple. Hashtag Raw and Order WBU in a tweet with a link to one of the episodes. Doesn't matter which one. You can go back and listen to old episodes and still tweet them out with it. So you want to listen to our episode on the firings? Do it. Tweet it out. Hashtag Raw and Order WBU, enter it. Tag your favorite wrestler, tag Drake Maverick, enter. 
you know, it's super simple, simple, easy to do. I don't even care what platform you use to tweet it out. It can be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, doesn't matter. Just share an episode. But a great way to uh, help support independent wrestlers, help support wrestlers that you like, help support independent wrestling podcasts that you like. And get yourself a t-shirt and it costs you nothing. Yeah. Or two, yeah. So enter as often as me like. Must include the hashtag to get counted. Like, share, and subscribe to us as well so that you get notified when new episodes are are posted because we're posting episodes nearly daily. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. Follow me at Raw and Order WBU. You can follow DA Fabe at DA Vincent K Fabe. And you can follow JLB at at JLB420. Real Talk Radio is the brand, so you can follow that one on Twitter at Real Talk Radio 8, anchor.fm slash RTR. Yes, yes, yes. And then um, I always talk about the Wix site that you can find the link in the doobly doos. So, uh, so, so check that should there. definitely it's, be a t shirt. It also will be in the, in the pinned tweet on my Twitter, so you can go there. Um, our Wix site gives you all the locations that you can uh, listen to the podcast. You can even listen to it straight on that site. So if you're someone who's working from home and just wants to have it playing in a tab on your browser instead of playing on your phone or whatever, you can do that straight on our Wix site. But on that note, I think we will uh, close the book on this WBU review cast of, of Money in the Bank 2020, the eh pay-per-view of the year. Eh? Eh. Eh stands for worst thus far. It's, it's meh. The risk was definitely not worth eh. the reward of watching that, I'll tell you that much. Especially for Ray and Alistair. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, yeah. Here, you, here's the you deal. Know, you know what song I was thinking of when they flew off? I'm like, fly me to the moon, make me stay, whatever the whatever the rest goes. But, oh, it was just so comical and stupid. But I'm sorry, I cut you off, I bet. Yeah, no, for me, if, if I didn't already subscribe to the network, this would not convince me to subscribe, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll keep pirating it. Um, <laughs> but... Arr. But, uh... But we're subscribers, so that's fine, right? Um, <laughs> however, uh, if if the men's or men's and women's money in the bank matches of this week did not please you, um, and you still want some fun outside of the ring carnage, uh, go back and watch last week's AEW. The main event of that was a, a street fight brawl through the entire arena. Way better, way better. It featured. It featured attempted manslaughter twice uh, by the good guys, by the way. Um, no. uh, Matt Hardy and and uh, well, by the May. way, I did not like the change up of the shirts all the time for Matt Hardy though. Yeah, it was okay. I I get it. Their their whole storyline with Matt Hardy is he's switching between personas, right? That his his uh, his brain jumps between all of his previous personas from from version 1.0 to to um uh, uh money mat to damascus to broken mat to all of those so i get the storyline they're playing with it but it's whatever the match itself was itself was still pure carnage and once again so, it it was 
the two good guys, Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega, trying to run over the two bad guys with a go-kart um, twice. Um, so, <laughs> But neither of that was throwing someone off the roof of a six-story building. So, no. uh, yeah. But on that note, we will wrap this up. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will see you soon with our Raw review and then visit from the FBI. Bye.